What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flissen. And I'm Corey Janabate. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Welcome back, guys. We are finishing up our Ikoria set review. So we went through commons and uncommons last week. We got up to Wooberg. We've got some multicolored stuff left, but uh, we're going to get into the real spicy stuff today. How are you guys feeling? Uh, feeling when, I was going, when I was going through all of this, I made this uh, astounding conclusion. This set is the most like cycle-heavy or like most thematically intense that we've seen in a long time. Um, we'll see as we go through this episode, but basically there's not a single card in multicolor, uh, uncommons, and above that is not part of a cycle, aside from like two mythics. Everything else is like cycled in like proportionately. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. You can tell that this set was kind of built in a bubble and they well, they yeah. could only do this on a brand new plane like Ikoria where they had just free roam to do whatever they want. So we do have uh, the... Rest of the uncommons, which are going to be the multicolored uh, uncommons, and a couple artifacts, I believe. We've got the rares with a massive emphasis on cycles, and then we've got mythics with, again, just emphasis on the cycles that they produced. Before we get to that, of course, we have all of our social medias. Um, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Yeah, we're at UED Podcast and Untap Upkeep Drink. We've gotten some real cool comments. We understand that the commander, like, wrapping back up to getting like current on commander was a little annoying we just wanted to be thorough and have like some perspective but now we're caught up and we're ready to go so let's discuss we got kind of a thematic episode ourselves for this one um we've been collecting beers since like last september I over think. a year now uh well i just mean for this specific episode oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, originally wanted to do a day of the dead episode uh, didn't exactly manage to get that one because of all of the Oktoberfest and Brewers Week stuff that we did. So we instead, did we're that doing, to ourselves, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, we're doing a Cinco de Mayo episode here. Um, all of our beers are like Mexican style or uh, inspired by uh, like Mexican culture. And I guess the first one we have is the Melvin Brewing Company's Jesus. So this is a Mexican-style lager, as we said before. We're sitting at 5.2% ABV and 25 IBUs. Uh, and it pours really, really clear. So this is a real light, translucent yellow uh, hay. hay color. Ooh, yeah, it looks kind of like a white wine. It's super see-through. Yeah, that's... I guess we, we just had too many hazies and stuff on the show. Yeah, yeah this was <laughs> very, very clear. Um, the trend is going to continue. On first taste, it's really sweet, actually, for like a a lager. Usually, those are just kind of like straight yeast, wheat, kind of clean. It's very sweet and like almost fruity, but I feel like it's more complex than most of the real basic clean lagers that you get. I like that. So, for myself, the Belching Beaver <laughs> oh. Deftones Phantom Bride. Um, so, dude, inspired by you know, the band Deftones and the song Phantom Bride. Um, so this is a hazy IPA. It is, you know, kind of, well, I, I'm not the person generally to describe beers, but it's kind of a, a reddish, orangish, um, 7.1% ABV, 60 IBUs, 
straight off the the gate, this is definitely like a, a solid hazy IPA. The smell is just so aromatic and so fruity and full. Uh, not exactly tropical, more citrusy than tropical, but definitely a, a good start. The uh, 60 IBUs is not a lie. It's definitely got some bitterness to it that I think, Gary, you're glad you're not drinking it. Probably. <laughs> Corey, for you, you had the one that people were fighting over. Yeah, so this was the Stone Chocovesa Imperial Stout inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. It's oh. 8.1% and 50 IBUs. So somehow I got the super dark beer, but it's hot chocolate beer. So, of course, I said, hell yeah, I want to drink this. Uh, and can you explain why you guys were fighting over it and particularly like why I, who am the, the dark beer guy, just was like, nah, not this one. Yeah, so this is a stout brewed with chocolate, coffee, pasilla, pasilla peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. And as you guys probably know, Drew is allergic to peppers. And so even if he would love this beer... He cannot drink it. So I had yeah, to take one, one for the team. It. Yeah, I could taste it and, you know, just do like the wine, you know, swish it around, spit it out, whatever. But yeah, we actually, we had a couple spicy beers and I, I just think it's interesting when people start brewing beers with peppers. I've had a couple and I'm not the biggest fan, but maybe this one will change my mind. So right away, it's just jet black. It had a really good head on it. It's been sitting for a little bit. But it just, it smells like a stout and I'm getting a little bit of the vanilla and the cinnamon. It's got that milk chocolate note. It's not usually the, it's it's usually the dark chocolate notes that you'd expect in a stout, but this is more of a milk chocolate. And that's why I think it's inspired by hot chocolate, not just chocolate notes. Yeah. I'm not getting any spiciness, but there's a lot of bitterness on the back end, which you'd expect in an imperial stout. But it says it's 8.1, but I can't taste any alcohol. And it's extremely smooth. It's really good. All right. Well, let's get into like, let's get into the beginning of the end of our set review here. Um, starting off with the multicolored uncommons. So remember that with this set, um, the emphasis was on enemy colored pairs. And so you'll see that as we go through this, that the there's the signpost creature, the signpost spell, and then like a mutate creature in the, the enemy color. So first one is Orzov. We have the General's Enforcer, just for white and a black. We've got a creature, Human Soldier, that's a 2-3, already a pretty good rate. Legendary humans you control have Indestructible. That's a very powerful thing in and of itself because yeah. there's well, a lot, well. a lot of uh, legendary creatures, especially in like the Death and Taxes, the uh, Orzov version of that one, pretty strong, a lot of, a lot of legends. And then two white-black exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, create a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token. So built-in grave 8. Um, mana sinks are always good in limited. The fact that you might be able to actually get value off of it further, pretty solid. Yeah, I think this is also going to see a lot of play in standard just because um, of the grave hate and just exiling escape cards from Theros and just like getting rid of gods and stuff like that. Super useful. Yeah, it's got a pretty heavy activated cost, but... A two three for two mana is pretty solid. Agreed. Our uh, our next spell here is Dire Tactics. This is one we talked about in our overview. It really stuck out to us. We got white and a black for an instant exile target creature. If you don't control a human, you lose life equal to that creature's toughness. So just a really really solid cheap instant uh, exile creature. It's like, like a, an inverse swords. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of for what I an extra about before. black, 
But I don't know, exile effects are really, really strong, especially in standard with all the gods and escape creatures yeah. and stuff that we've talked about. Yeah, anything that's indestructible or, I don't know, I think since we've got War of the Spark, all of the gods that shuffle back in, like we have way too many overly recursive creatures. So yeah, let's get rid of those. Yeah. And I don't know, you always look for two mana removal spells. They're always the boogeyman of pre-releases and stuff. So the last one we've got is Necropanther. It's a one white and a black for a 3-3 cat nightmare. Its mutate cost is two colorless and a two Orzhov hybrid mana. And it has, whenever this creature mutates, return target creature card with greater mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this is one of the most powerful mutate creatures in the set, just outright. Um, if you have any discard effects, any way that you know you're sacrificing creatures, anything like that, um, if your mutate gets blown up, like any of those options that puts creatures in your graveyard, you can get them back super easy with this guy. Um, and remember that mutate triggers every single time you mutate onto it. So the first time it's great. Second time it's still great. Third time, like you're just never going to not get value off of this mutate effect. Yeah. Unless, you know, you don't have anything in your graveyard, in which case you're probably already winning anyway. So why are you complaining? All right. So let's move on to Boris. Boris? Where Boris? Boris. Boris. All right. So we've got Savai Thundermane for red and white. Just classic Boris. He's an elemental cat. Whenever you cycle a card, you may pay two. When you do, it deals two damage, start creature, and you gain two life. It's also just a three, two. So again, really good rate. And the effect is pretty damn solid, especially when we have so many, like, one mana cyclers. Cycle plus two, and you basically get lightning helix. Can't be mad at that. Yeah, a little, a little baby version. So the next one we got is Zenith Flare. Two red, white for an instant. Zenith Flare deals X damage to any target, and you gain X life, where X is the number of cards with a cycling ability in your graveyard. This one seems... Obviously, it's a build-around, build but uh, it seems like it could be really strong. It also seems like there are going to be several situations in which you <laughs> wish you had something else. Yeah. Yeah, you, this card does require setup, um, but I think that this card is actually pretty fairly costed, um, considering that there are so many like one and two mana cyclers. Uh, I think that you hit this for three, and you're pretty pretty happy with it, I think. Yeah, it's again, a six-way it's not, swing, so... Yeah, it's not like actually Lightning Helix, but it's as close as I think we're going to get in the modern age without just like actually reprinting Lightning Helix. Yeah, the last one we have is Regal Leosaur, which is a red and white for a 2-2. Its mute take us is one generic and two hybrid Boros mana. Whenever this creature mutates, other creatures you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn. So for potentially three mana, pumping your whole team, plus two, plus one. I'd play that. That's pretty good. Yeah, just on its own, right? Like, if you yeah. look at this instead of as a creature or as a, like, mutate addition to a creature, it's just a spell. Like, this this is pretty solid. Like, you, you run that pretty pretty happily, but you do have to consider that it is sorcery speed. Um, so if you have a way to influence that, affect it to make it a bit quicker, then that card just starts to get pretty damn, pretty damn busted. Um, but if you're able to have a wide board and have, like, some cheap mutate effects then you could easily just call this a finisher. Yeah, especially if you can double up on this effect. Oh yeah, absolutely. Pumping plus four, plus two. Yeah, you're probably going <laughs> to get them. Yeah. Uh, so let's get on to Is It. First one we have is Sprite Dragon. I'm pretty stoked on this card. When it was spoiled, I was, yeah. I was so pumped on it. Um, so 
It's blue and red. Again, just is it for a 1-1 fairy dragon. Already all on board with this one. Um, it's got flying and haste. More just like good text. And then whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sprite Dragon. Not just until end of turn, counter. It's, it's like even better prowess. <laughs> yeah. Way better prowess. And and I, I love prowess. I oh yeah, prowess is busted. Out of prowess. <laughs> and this is just like, like I'm going to put this in my storm deck and I want to have fun with it. You know, like it's not going to, it's not going to help me combo out, but it sure is going to kill someone. Oh yeah. You can easily make this a 10, 10, 15, 15, no problem. Yeah. Um, so our signpost spell is channeled force. It's two blue and a red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast this spell, discard X cards. Target player draws X cards. Channeled force deals X damage to up to one target creature or planeswalker. Yeah. Mm. I, That's pretty I cool. love this card. <laughs> I love things that make me discard. People like always try and figure out why. I don't know. It's just fun to fill up my bin like when I want to do it. So I'm pretty pretty stoked to see what we can do with this card and how broken we can actually make it. Yeah. I, I do like how you get to draw cards because a lot of these... Yeah effects you just discard your hand and do the damage this at least gets yeah. you back in the game and it's rummaging not looting which is kind of kind of shitty yeah so our mutate creature is lore dracus it's one blue and a red for a two three lizard beast and its mutate is just two hybrid is it mana whenever this creature mutates return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand so all those things you just discarded to channel force Boom. You get one of them back. Got him. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be the, the most impactful one, one right? And the yep. thing is, is that there's no implication on here for exiling that card. Usually you have something like that. It's like a flashback effect. Um, this one, you can just keep doing that. You play your best spell 20 times in a game if you have the mutate around it. Yeah, I you know, think like, everybody loves Archaeomancer. Everyone hates Archaeomancer. But this is, it's kind of, you had to jump to the suits, but it's a two mana Archaeomancer. It's two mana. I believe and they call it wicked good. Yeah, that's what that. Those are the hoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys, this this next card here makes me love Simic so much. Yeah. Didn't so already. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, Simic is probably the best non-black color combination in the game. But <laughs> I think it's right, the so best. <laughs> first, first one. Uh, the signpost creature is also a mutate creature, but they have one that is just a dedicated mutate creature. So this is partial beast for. Two green, blue. Uh, it's an elemental beast, and it's a 2-4. It's got mutate for just green and blue. And for one, and tap it, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put that card onto the battlefield. If you don't, put that card onto the battlefield, put it into your hand. What it's saying is for two mana, you can turn any of your fucking creatures into that, plus whatever their power and toughness is. I'm so in. Yeah, it is a tap effect, so I don't necessarily want it on most of my creatures, but... On its own, like it's absolutely fine. And to cheat it out for two less mana than its actual casting cost, I'm like, yeah, I'll tack that onto a creature. See, these to me are the mutate creatures that are going to really impact the game where you're not playing Voltron. You're mutating multiple yeah. creatures and like really spreading it out and creating a really good uh, variable board state. You know what I mean? Instead of just loading up one big fat fatty and trying to kill somebody. Thing is, though, so sometimes you play kind of defensive in a Voltron strategy, and this is one of the cards that can be tacked on there. And if you're not swinging out, or if you've got vigilance, things like that, on the end of whoever's turn is before you, you're either ramping or getting a card. 
Okay, yeah, for one mana, I'll, I'll do that. Thrasios effect. Yeah, and, and the fact it is that it is a mutate creature, right? Which means that you don't have to worry about the summoning sickness for the tap effect in most right. cases. All right, and our signpost spell is Primal Empathy, one green and a blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if you control a creature with the greatest power among creatures on the battlefield. Otherwise, put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. So wizards have been doing this a lot with enchantments in Simic. Um, and I feel like on paper, they always look weaker than they are. Like you're, you're thinking, oh, most of the time I'm probably just going to get a plus one, plus one, but these I, get out of control like quick. So last one we have is our mutate creature. It's Trumpeting Gnar. It's one green and a blue for a 3-3 three, three beast. Its mutate cost is three and two Simic hybrid mana. Whenever this creature mutates, create a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token. You guys, this is one of those ones that I saw early on and went, oh, five mana, that's okay, that's good. And then went, no, 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 no. We have other mutate creatures like Parcel Beast that only cost two. <laughs> This yeah. is where I see like the real value engines coming out. Is you play things at the smaller rate and mutate them with the cheaper mutate costs, and all of a sudden you're like, God damn! For five mana, I've got a three three, and I drew a card, and I, you know, I like yeah. this guy. This is also uh, one of the ones that you're looking at as like, oh, this is you know avoiding the Voltron strategy. It's like, no, this is what helps reinforce your Voltron strategy, so that you don't only have one creature that you know right. they have. Yeah, to you don't get blown out. But yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a good point, Gary, because. Usually when you look at the mutate guys, you're like, okay, I'm going to cast this for its mutate guys. But I think this card is way better being as a base for yeah. other mutates. You just cast this regular and then mutate onto it a bunch. Yeah. yeah. The only time you cast this for its mutate is if you already have like a Voltron mutate creature set up. You've got like a, a maximum merged creature. Just yeah. Like, yeah. If you need it's to get later in the game anyways. So I'm going to throw that on and just get all of the other triggers that are associated with it. All right. Let's have a new the Golgari real quick. So Skull Prophet. Is our creature. It's just, again, Golgari mana, so black and green for a 3-1 human druid. 3-1 uh, is the worst power and toughness rate uh, for basically anything. So it has an effect. Tap, add black or green. And another one, tap, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Bro, did I just get a Golgari Landwar Elves that's better? <laughs> I'm down. No. Yeah, no, you got a bad Deathrite Shaman instead. I mean, mm. Deathrite Shaman is... Top tier, really so, good. And, yeah, exactly. A bad version of of Deathrite Shaman is okay. Still <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I still I still like this card a lot, actually. Even oh, yeah. though it is, yeah, weak. I'm not saying this is bad. Yeah, I think this is going to be really good in just ramp decks, but also really good in escape decks, just because loading your graveyard is just what they want to do. But I think yeah. this is going to see yeah. a lot of commander play as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think all of the like the uncommon mutate creatures are probably going to see some commander play. Just people are just going to fuck around and try and see what's, what's good. And I think yeah. a card like this is like the, not necessarily like the, the pinnacle of what we want out of uncommon ramp, but like we need something that's not just ramp. It has to be doing something else. Yeah. And like, this is such a perfect, like flavorful thing for the set and just for, for Golgari in general that everybody's yeah. kind of on board with it. Well, what I, I do agree with you, like the three, one is a, <laughs> a terrible toughness for this creature, but I think because a lot of these ramp cards are usually one ones, it just means that if need be, this card is just more aggressive and can actually get like significant amounts of damage through if it needs to. Maybe you're never yeah. gonna attack with this creature. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just it's I think having a three one is better because it can trade up. And usually with yeah. your mana dorks and stuff like that, you want to have them with a higher toughness so they can stay alive and you can get more use out of them. Yeah, because so in the past I, we've I been getting one the, threes for the balance, basically the yeah. same thing. 
right? And now yeah. we got a three one, which is more aggressive. But I don't know if this set and this specific uh, color pairing needs that aggressiveness because I think that there's other things that amplify it. Yeah, I really. Like I think that. this is a really, really good mutate target. All right, so our signpost Golgari spell is back for more four. Black and a green for an instant. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. When you do, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. It's expensive, but it's, it's way too expensive. Also, really fucking good, dude. Like with with the mill that you've got going on, the big fat fatties that you might throw in in green. I kind of like it. Like it. I don't want to draw this turn one or two, but I like it. This card is going to be good and limited. I- yeah don't yeah, yeah, see yeah. that it's going to have that much impact elsewhere because we just have way more efficient stuff to do it. Yeah, there's just better like, removal. The fight, like, I don't know if, the, if you care that much about the fight in most most situations. Like, most situations, I think this is what a you six care about for the fight. We already have way better removal spells in all of these colors and all of these color pairings for less. Yeah. But what I usually see is like when you're trying to finish with something like that and you're throwing a fatty back on the field, you want to be able to clear out so that you can get damage through. So it makes your bomb a little bit more of a bomb. That's assuming that you have a bomb that or discarded or milled. Right. Like there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through just. What Golgari's trying to do, I think, but I I just don't think that Yeah, I think it's just too expensive. Yeah, I think having it as an instant makes it a lot better because usually with these uh, recursion effects they're at yeah, sorcery like four, speed. Four mana sorcery right. speed. But getting, yeah, getting your biggest thing and removing one of their things on their end step, I think that makes this playable. I, I think, like both of you said, we have there's better options, but it's fun. Yeah. Okay, so our mutate creature is Boneyard Lurker. It's two black and a green for a 4 4 Nightmare Beast. And its mutate is two and two Golgari hybrid mana. So it's four mana CMC and four mana mutates. Whenever this creature mutates, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. So, free regrowth. Less good. Less good. I mean, considering all of the... Well, then the ones that return it to the battlefield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, regrowth versus reanimate. I mean, obviously, there's a very big power difference yeah. there. But I think that if you're looking at this as a free tacked-on effect, like a free regrowth, because it is just permanence, right? It's the same rate. Right. Yeah. So It's actually easier to cost at mutate. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like yeah. I think I think this is playable. Oh yeah, it's just a four four for four at the very worst. And if you mutate and get one or two things back during a game, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think the first one that you get is where your value is is fine because like four four for four, you're probably playing anyways. Uh, the mutate making it easier to to attack onto something. Additional mutates that can happen are just the bonus, and then anything that mutates when you mutate it is just a free effect. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it just automatically makes whatever you were mutating it into a four four because I think that. Most mutate creatures are weaker than that. And I could tell that you guys weren't going to comment on it, so I'm just going to say the artwork is so fucking metal. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's pretty hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now we're going to move on to the allied colors. There's a a less impactful pool of these colors. Yeah, so these are the cards that basically just care about which abilities you control. And in this set, with the keyword counters, you can just start giving people abilities left and right. (laughs) Yeah. So, So I think... I think originally these would be harder to build around unless you like had a dedicated like flying deck, for instance. But right. just being able to give whatever you need flying, I think, makes these cards a lot better and a lot easier to work with. Yeah. Um, Agreed. So our first one here is Jubilant Skybonder. It's one and two split cost Azorius mana. 
For a 2-2 creature human wizard, he has flying, and creatures you control with flying have spells your opponents cast that target this creature cost two more to cast. So inherently a little bit more protected. So usually with effects like these, they count other creatures, but this one just says creatures you control with flying cost two more to cast. So right away, it's just a 2-2 with flying for three that is harder to target with removal. Right. and Super good. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's, that's great. There's always a blue-white skies deck in most draft environments, and so they're super, super weak to removal. That's cheap because most of them are pretty small. So having something like this makes it so that you have a lot more resilience than what you normally have for a blue-white skies deck, especially with the keyword counters being thrown around everywhere. Yeah, I really like this cycle. So next one we have is Alert Heed Bonder. It's one and two Selesnya hybrid mana for a two-four human scout with vigilance. At the beginning of your end step, you gain one life for each creature you control with vigilance. So right away, it's just a 2-4 Vigilance for 3 that gains life at the end of each of your turns. <laughs> so next one is the Demir one, Cunning Nightbonder. For 2 Demir hybrid mana, it's a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, human Rogue Flash, Spells with Flash, you cast, cost 1 less to cast, and can't be countered. Uh, so again, Flash is a super powerful mechanic, uh, abused everywhere. Trying to build Flash Tribal, I don't know if it's necessarily viable, but uh, if you look at the Azorius cards from uh, the most recent Ravnica set, or Ravnica block, rather. Uh, there's a lot of things that grant it flash if you meet a certain condition. Uh, so there's like a lot of standard abusability in Esper. And obviously, flash is just a powerful mechanic and uh, commander. So having the can't be countered tag on there for two mana, this thing is way undercosted. Oh, yeah. I think this is the only one out of these that'll see commander play just because we, lo- we love giving everything flash. <laughs> Gary, and the next one has your favorite keyword. Yeah, we've got Sonorous Howlbonder. One and two split cost Rakdos mana for a 2-2 creature human warrior with Menace. Each creature you control with Menace can't be blocked except by three or more creatures. Super Menace. (laughs) Double Menace. I love it. (laughs) And we're trying to throw around Menace counters here. Yeah, I don't think there's that that many that actually add any of these keyword counters. But if you can like actually do a good build around, then... This card will just absolutely just destroy the game. I mean, this slots into all those pioneer zombie fucking decks if they want to start running two colors. They don't even have to. This is one black black in those decks. Oh, that's true. I'm a commander but player. I forget the that. thing is, is that <laughs> fuck. That's three three mana, and you already have to have other creatures with menace to really be getting that value in pioneer. I don't know if it's strong enough for that, but. I think all those fucking zombies get menace most of the time. There's at least two of them that gives all other zombies menace. So I think this would be gross. Yeah, so the last one we have is Proud Wild Bonder. It's two and two gruel hybrid mana for a 4-3 human warrior trample. Creatures you control trample have, you may have this creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. That's a pretty pretty strong ability. Um, Yeah, because usually you never want to block things with trample. Because it's just going to be a waste because they're going to get damage anyways. And this just makes it even harder <laughs> to block things with Trample. Well, this makes it 100% worthless. Yeah, because usually sometimes you'll, you're like, all right, I'm just going to mitigate a couple of these and we'll move on. You can't do it. Yeah, but I think you Although have Although at least to. you keep your right, creatures, exactly. but still. And so like if you care about like blocking and things like that, then I guess. But yeah, this is just one of those that is just absolutely mind-fucking in combat. And combat sometimes can be already a pain in the ass. Yeah, and this one, it's just a 4-3 that's basically going to deal damage no matter what. It's going to do 4 damage. Well, and what's worse is it says you may have. So, like, the block, the blocking player has to decide, 
do I want to risk losing these creatures? Because maybe they don't take any damage. Maybe they do. All right. So next and last for for uncommons and commons, uh, we've got our lands. So we've got the gain lands uh, from, I think, originally from Tarkir. Uh, and they're replacing some of the basics in packs. I think the quote was just about half. And so I have no idea how many are actually being replaced. And it's all 10 colored pairs that are in there. Um, and then got a new Evolving Wilds art, which is pretty dope. I have no idea if that's just a normal common in the set or if that's going to be replacing some lands because I would love it to replace some lands because I'd love to just always have Evolving Wilds in my draft deck. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we've got Artifacts. So first one is Sleeper Dart. Uh, for two generic, we've got uh, an Artifact. When Sleeper Dart enters the battlefield, draw a card and tap. Sacrifice Sleeper Dart. Target creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap. So I don't really care about the activated ability. Um, two generic for an artifact ETB draw card, I think could be pretty decent. Um, granted, this is in a set where we have uh, really easy cycling, but I think some artifact decks might like this. Um, it's kind of hard to evaluate, but a decent like tap down effect for when you're trying to get rid of a uh, big creature from your opponents or just allow you to swing in. Yeah, I think it's really good just because having a one-time removal spell that replaces itself basically yeah and you can sit around you don't need to hold up mana for it yeah and i think it's that's really strong one of the issues with most artifact removal spells is that you sacrifice them they don't replace themselves this you're drawing a card off of it it's colorless like it goes in basically every deck um gets like slows their finisher enables yours like there's a lot going on with this and at common for two colorless i'll play it um, the next we have is a cycle. It is the crystal cycles. So we have Indatha, Kestria, Raugrin, Savai, and Zagoth crystals. And those are the Obzon, Teemer, Jeskai, Mardu, and Soltai, respectively. Um, these things are dope because they are a three generic ramp card for three colors. And they also just have cycling two because we all know that sometimes you just... So much better. You just need to get rid of a card in your hand because ramp isn't always going to help you. Yeah, I think just tacking tacking on cycling onto just anything oh, automatically yeah. makes it better. And so these automatically supersede the previous mana rocks that do these colors just because cycling. Just having more options on a card in any format helps. Yeah, I think that the other ones uh, were the banners and you'd sacrifice them to draw a card. The banners, yeah. And so very similar, but like you don't have to spend extra mana to do it. You actually spend less mana to get your, your cycle effect, um, unless you care about like sacrificing artifacts or artifact ETBs. And obviously the other ones are better. But I think that in most situations, people are just going to default to these. Um, and again, it kind of sets precedence for wizards to print the other cycle in Xenicar. That'd be sweet. All right, let's finally get to the rares. Let's do the monocolor, and then we'll dive back into the beers. Sure. All right, so there's actually a lot to the monocolored rares. Um, they have, it's just cycles for days. Um, so there's a mutate creature. Um, there's an ability creature, which kind of explain, uh, it's like ATB or like uh, triggered ability. Uh, and then we have a game state effect. And that, that is kind of a, a loose term that I've, I've going through these. Um, and again, you'll understand when we get more into them. Um, so the first one is Cub Warden uh, for three and a white. It is a creature. It is a cat. It's a three, five and has mutate for two white, white has lifelink, and whenever this creature mutates, create two 1-1 one, one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. Like so this one, like the more you read on it, the more you like it. It's just going to be a very good card. Like, you want to mutate on top of it. You want this to mutate on top of other things. Like You just 
This, this card's just gravy. Yeah. All right, up next, we've got Lava Brink Venturer. Two and a white for a 3-3 three, three creature human soldier. As Lava Brink Venturer enters the battlefield, choose odd or even. It has protection from each converted mana cost of the chosen value. So again, this is one of the ability creatures. It has that ETB ability when it enters the battlefield. Uh, white loves protection. And they're trying to make protection less good while still reprinting it. Yeah, they've been doing it in different ways. But I think this card's interesting. You basically just, if you play it, you choose whatever the best removal spells in your format are, and you gain protection from that. Or just whatever like the commonality is on creatures your opponents control. Right? Protection does protect against creatures, so like, go ahead and swing for days with this guy. Like Honestly, I feel like there's some Voltron strategies you can have with this, assuming you don't host yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to carefully plan your deck with this guy. Uh, Swift Foot Boots or Lightning Greaves. Plan carefully. So last one we have is Dranith Magistrates. One in white for a 1-3 human wizard. Your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. So we... We've talked about this one Yeah, we talked about this one in our kind of spoiler hype set, review, mashup, whatever it was there. Uh, This card's very strong. Uh, Hate Bears just got another... Like, easy addition. Yeah, so this shuts off Commanders, <laughs> Escape, Companions, just all of it. All right, so let's dive into blue. So we've got the Sea Dasher Octopus for one blue, blue. This creature octopus mutate for one and a blue. Already just, like, very good stuff. Uh, it's a 2-2 two, two with Flash. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Shit. So I think this is the only Flash mutate creature, um, but it's also, like, way too good. As a I think this meeting. is easily one of the best. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the next one, uh, just a nice ability thrown onto a creature. The better shark artwork in this set. We've got Voracious Great Shark, three blue, blue for a 5-4 creature shark with flash. When Voracious Great Shark enters the battlefield, counter target artifact or creature spell. I think, I, I, again, so I don't... 5-4 five, for 5 with Flash? I was going to say, I don't play a whole lot of control, but this feels like one of those ones that once you're at your top end and you're ready to cash cash in on a big creature <laughs> there's no downside to this guy because you're going to do that shit anyway like this is the the biggest like issue with control generally speaking in limited environments is that you have your your sweeper or your not sweeper but your finisher right and you have to tap out for that guy right and that means that you have that turn where you're playing your sweeper that you aren't protecting it and so this is potentially both right right it is a finisher that is going to be down in four turns it is a clock but it also just allows you to play the extra control strategy on top of that. Yeah, usually I think five mana counter spells are shit. But <laughs> the fact that this what is if a, it's a, creature, a it's five, five four, four, that makes it better. But the fact that it only targets artifacts or creatures, I think that makes it a lot more playable Worse. in limited and standard environments when you get rid yeah. of their big finisher. But against certain strategies, I don't think it's gonna. It's not gonna counter spell. It's gonna just gonna be a five four flash, which is still pretty dope. <laughs> which is yeah, I was gonna say that's entirely okay. Yeah. Like you love flash creatures and control decks just because you you play your turn basically the same way. Yeah, which is you don't play you anything don't on your turn. Yeah. yeah, I need to play more control because it just sounds so fun. It's, Even those douchey, I like. It. <laughs> it's great. So the last one we have is Shark Typhoon. It's the Sharknado card. It's five and a blue for an Ooh. enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying, or X is that spell's converted mana cost. And it has cycling for X, one and a blue. When you cycle Shark Typhoon, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying. So, like we always say, cycling is at instant speed. And being able to make 
instant speed dudes is super powerful. Six mana is a lot, but I think this is a good uh, top end for decks that want to storm off or cast a lot of very cheap non-creature spells because you can easily flood the board with this guy. I think you'll see commander play not only because it's a meme, but because six mana is yeah. super easy to get <laughs> and then keep going. I feel like being a meme almost guarantees commander play somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm sure there's going to be a weird standard Sharknado deck that people try and yeah. run. Maybe just guy sharks. <laughs> All right. Let's get to black. We've got the Dirge Bat for two black black. It is a 3-3 three, three bat creature for its mutate cost of four black black. So this is one of the more expensive of the mutates. Flash, flying, and whenever this creature mutates, destroy target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. There's a reason why it's six mana for its mutate cost. Because you're going to use the um, octopus on it. Well, yeah, you could just load I mean, octopi onto it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you guys, this. I mean, these are the ones that I feel like... You gotta get. Yeah, I, well, yeah, if you're drafting, you're fucked, but like, I feel like these are the types of mutate cards that really have the impact. Like To be able to just kill and kill and kill for two mana, three mana here, forget about it. Plus, it's a flyer yeah. with flash. I mean, come on now. Yeah, on its own, like four mana flash flyer for three, and that you then mutate other things on two to kill creatures. Like <laughs> it's like, just the dopest. I think of the, bats. the big thing, yeah, the big thing on this one is not just that it kills creatures; it's the fact that it'll actually kill planeswalkers, yeah. um, which is not an effect that we see very often at like this power level. Because I think that this is actually really, really, really yeah. Strong. Because a flyer is already planeswalker removal. Yeah, I think this is one of the best mutate bases you can have in this set. And like like we Why said, the octopus is one of the best mutate mutate like mutators? yeah yeah mutators I guess. mutators because <laughs> you, ne- you usually almost never want to make it into the octopus. You want to put the octopus on something better. And yeah. on this one, you almost yeah. never want to cast it for its mutate cost. But you do yes. want to mutate like it. Trumpeting gnar. This this can be back. Like imagine this in the trumpeting gnar. You're Blowing their shit up and also making tokens. God Notice damn. we've uh, noticed we've noted three cards from Saltai, so there's a reason. <laughs> All right, up next we've got Hunted Nightmare. One black black for a four five creature nightmare with Menace. When Hunted Nightmare enters the battlefield, target opponent puts a death touch counter on a creature they control. This the Hunted cards or Pursued cards or whatever. I think they're yeah. a lot of fun. They kind of suck a lot of the time. I think this one's. I think this one's good, just because yeah. it is a lot of power for so cheap. Because a lot, a lot of the old hunted cards are a lot of mana for not very much. While this one, I think is this is another good mutate target because you can just somehow give it like flying or something, a four or five flying menace. That's not getting blocked. Don't you have to mutate? Just put a flying counter oh, on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Boom. That's a thing. Okay, this last card is Extinction Event. It's three and a black for a sorcery. Choose odd or even. Exile. Each creature with converted mana cost of the chosen value. So this... Excuse me? Yeah. This, so, this card's it's hard to rate. Like, exiling for four mana, super good. But only getting potentially half of what's on the board, potentially not good. And Well, consider that black exile effects are usually like five mana for a single target. Yeah. This doesn't target, so you can get the thing that you want. And... Exile is just yeah. That's the thing. The like you'll always get exactly the one thing you want, but you might take some of your stuff with it, and so it's kind. It's I mean, kind of hard to board wipe, yeah. Right? It's kind of hard to build around. That's why I think not if you're in a deck that doesn't run the things that you're getting rid of. <laughs> yeah, like you'd have to choose one or the other. 
But if their best yeah, thing is, is odd and you're in an odd deck, then you're kind of fucked. Yeah. So. Well, that's what I'm saying is that you run this in the Yannette deck that cares about odd stuff, and then you just name even, and your stuff is never going to get wiped. Like this can be like a almost one-sided board wipe. Sometimes it's better to just blow the whole board up for four mana. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, there's you, definitely you can reliably stuff. do that. Like this, <clears throat> I think that it, what you're going to hit fluctuates every time. But it is ver- it oh, yeah, is a versatile absolutely. card, but and it gets it can always kill tokens like this hose, and it's an exile effect, which is good. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's do red. So Ooh, first from one we the have best is to the worst. Hey, Everquill. Actually, <laughs> red has some fucking spice here on the rares. <laughs> so true. first one is Everquill Phoenix for two red red. We've got creature Phoenix mutate for three in a red, and it's a four four. Has flying, and whenever this creature mutates, create a red artifact token named Feather with one and sacrifice Feather return target Phoenix card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So we still have Arclight Phoenix. Yeah. We have the potential to run a bunch of these. Um, The activation is instant speed. It makes an artifact which Red also loves. There's just a lot of good things going with this one. Individually they're okay. Together they make a card that's pretty well-designed and cohesive. Um, I kind of wrote that this is a Phoenix tribal card, but then I read it again, and it's only when it mutates that it does that. So it's not the best, but if you continue to mutate on this one, then hopefully you have other Phoenixes. Otherwise, it's going to fall flat, but it does allow you to kind of recklessly use this card in scenarios where you probably would want to play cautiously otherwise. Because if you have multiple of uh, the feather artifacts, then you just keep chump blocking, throwing this away. You continue to get it back. But you have to build that state in order to get there. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the Phoenixes are hit and miss. Like sometimes, like our Light Phoenix is super easy to build around and just get recurring value yeah. all the time. And there's a couple like this one that are slower and harder and you need to have a more solid build around or a lot more hoops to jump through. Like if this, the fact that this has to mutate to get this, I think it just limits it so much. So the like golden strategy that I saw on this one was to have two of the phoenixes. You do the, the you know the BS with the first phoenix, it comes back. Then you mutate the second one onto that phoenix. They both mutate. You get two, and then you bring both back. But that's like essentially only three creatures for the cost of all of yeah. that. He doesn't have haste though, which is probably yeah. the worst part about it. But that fact, is why they come in back tank, though, tank. so that you can do it on you know the end step of your opponent, and then it essentially does have haste. Yeah, and you can also right. circumvent haste with the mutate. Yeah. Up next, we've got Yadara Wandering Monster for five red red. It's an eight eight legendary creature dinosaur turtle. It's got trample and it's got haste, <laughs> and its cycling cost is one and a red. When you cycle Yadara Wandering Monster, shuffle it into your library from your graveyard. If you cycled a card named Yadara Wandering Monster four or more times this game, put it onto the battle from your graveyard instead. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? I love it. It's so cool. (laughs) I'm so on board with this card. You're just flying through your deck and paying an extra mana for an 8-8 for draw four? Yeah, because like you might not ever get it in a a game, but cycling like twice in a game, I think that's, that's pretty sweet. And then... Maybe yeah. getting an eight-eight trample haste that'll just win you the game outright. I think that's that's pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, this is one of the few like big dumb fatties that's a legendary that you're like, no, I'm actually going to run four of in my standard deck because 
your goal oh, is to yeah. never cast it. Right? Yeah. Like even if you're playing like a big red deck, you're never casting it. You're just cycling it. And as long as you've cast or you've done it four times, right? Four, four or, or more. more. So you get it every time after as well. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> just imagine and like the cycling is going to help you get to that point as well, right? Like it's helping you draw more cards. Yeah. This card in blue red cycling discard draw deck, I think is this this is the finisher that cycling doesn't really have right now. And I think that that's, that's but that it always that, dreamed of. Yeah, just like well, I think it's a ridiculous way way to do cycling. Just like, I love it. Dream hand is four of these and three mana in your opening hand, and then you just start cycling one every turn, and then you get up to two <laughs> each turn, and then soon you just you're refilling hand with good stuff, and you're just cheating out eight eights. <laughs> well, the fourth time you do it would be on turn four, and so on turn four you're cracking in with two with no, I guess it's one because it's legendary. Yeah, but. that is my biggest hangup. The fact that it's a legendary creature is good for standard and 60-card formats because you can't have four of these running around. But the fact that it's a legendary creature oh, makes, makes it, it unplayable. Yeah, it commander. makes it shit in Commander. Unless you have Command Beacon. Or Bounce Effects, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be a fun, stompy mono-red deck. 8-8 Trample Haste. Yeah, the problem cool. is just that it, it's 7 mana seven for mana eight, 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 Trample Haste. Yeah. Like, we already have better <laughs> creatures for less. Like a 5-mana 6-6 six, six that also... Sneak attack stuff. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't really do anything else for any of your other cards in your deck as your commander. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of a self-centered little beast. Yeah. I think it's fun. Speaking right, of fun cards. We've talked about this one before. We've got Unpredictable <laughs> Cyclone. It's three red for an enchantment. If a cycling ability of another non-land card would ha- cause you to draw a card, instead exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a card that shares a card type with the cycled card. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put the exiled cards that were cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order and has cycling for two. So let's just say we're playing in the Yodaro deck. We have four of them. We have unpredictable cyclone out. Cycle for two. You get a Yodaro. You cast an 8-8 Trample Haste. Trample Haste. For seven mana. For free. Gross. I like that. <laughs> just like Obviously, this up. card, it's very appealing because it's unpredictable Cyclone. So you don't even know what you're going to get. It's going to be hard to build around, but I think it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that unpredictable Cyclone is exactly the chaosy cheat stuff out stuff that Red wants and kind of needs right now because there's not really a good way to do that for yourself. It's usually like a randomized effect for your opponent's stuff. And so to have something like this where you can just be like, eh, well, I'm just going to cycle my own shit and see what happens. Spin the wheel, bitch. Yeah, because you're cycling anyway. This is just a, an upside to it. Uh, last of the monocolored, we got green. This first one here is Gem Razor. So this is our mutate creature for three and green. We have a 4-4 four, four with mutate one green green. So this goes into the beast deck. Uh, it's also just one of the commander staples, I think, for mutate because it has reach, trample, and... Whenever this creature mutates, destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls. Uh, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, you, t- you take the destroy creature or planeswalker, it's got to be way more expensive, but we give this guy a cheaper rate. This guy's really good. <laughs> I like him a I lot. think that he's cheaper on his mutate because standard generally doesn't rely on artifacts and enchantments. Um, and the artifacts that yeah. are the super powerful ones are also indestructible. True. Yeah, I was. I mean, he's he's definitely less impactful, but it's still just. But like, reach trample four four for four is solid. Reach trample four four for three is even better. Like if you can mutate onto it later and get that kind of bonus value. Like your opponents have to kind of think, okay, at what point do I actually put down 
my artifacts enchantments if I know that they have the potential to just blow it up later, right? Yeah. And I think my favorite thing about this is you just said pacifism, and there's also capture sphere. Uh, yeah. They're going to want to target this, which is hilarious because then you just mutate onto it, blow the thing up, and now you can attack with it, it that same turn. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, yeah, it exactly. breaks out of its own own cage. If you want to talk about an enchantment that's worth targeting, there's some dumb shit called Colossification in this set. For five green green, you get an enchantment aura. Enchant creature, when Colossification enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. An enchanted creature gets plus 20, plus 20. Yeah. So this one... What? <laughs> I'm not going to let that sit. Yeah. This one was hilarious because it doesn't have trample. And so I'm just like, always think, put on a Llanowar Elves. That's a scary Llanowar Elves, but goddamn, is it not doing anything? Nope. Yeah, I think this one, usually with big effects, they're easy. You just put them in mono green stompy and you'll be chilling. But this one, it the fact that it taps the guy, I think it, it just costs you a whole turn. So I think you kind of have to do a different build around for this. Pro strat. Fun decks. You put on your opponent's thing, and tap, tap it down, down. and yep. then swing for the win. Yep. I What I want to do as soon as I sell this card is just make a fling deck with yeah. this. But <laughs> the problem is it's seven mana. And in fling decks, you're usually trying to be as low-costed as possible. But if you can do it. So we skipped over our ability creature. Corey, you like... Weird, ridiculous creatures. What's your what's your take on this one? Yeah, so this is the King Kong. It's Kogla, the Titan Ape. It's three green green for a seven six legendary creature ape. When it enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. When whenever Kogla attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls, and you can pay one and a green, return target human you control to its owner's hands. Kogla gains indestructible until end of turn. I think this is a ton of flavor, because it is really King Kong. I think this would be a fun commander too because it's it's got everything you want. It's just mono green removal and it can protect itself. Assuming that you know you're running humans in your mono green deck, which yeah, elves are more likely. But if you can find good green humans, that's fine. Uh, before we jump into the multicolored rares, uh, let's actually just dive them beers. <laughs> Rainier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got the Jesus by Melvin. Uh, it is sweet. It is a little bit uh, fruit-ish, fruit-y maybe. It's not, uh, it doesn't have a lot of body. You know what I mean? It's really, really clean. Disappears from the palette like that. You know what I mean? To me, this is comparable to, like we were saying, the real easy drinking, clear domestics that are just like cheap, buy 12 and suck them down. But it's got enough complexity that I wouldn't complain about it if someone passed it to me at the at the you know the bonfire or whatever. It's nothing special, but it is good. It's a it's a good sweet little Fair beer. Uh, me personally, I've still got the Belching Beavers Deftones Phantom Bride. It is a hazy IPA. Sixty IBUs actually kind of settles down after it's been been sitting for a bit. The first couple of tastes definitely that hot bitterness that kind of kicks your teeth in but it's got this kind of citrusy passion fruit almost like sweetness that weird kind of tropical but like tropical adjacent flavor um it's good stuff honestly um got a nice little malt body to it smooth uh not as crisp as what we like out of a certain ipa but i'm not going to complain at all on this one um belgian beaver makes mostly good shit they have one peanut butter beer that needs to go away but aside from that all gucci yeah, 
I think we've got all three really good breweries, like Belching Beaver, Melvin, and I've got Stone. Like all the beers we had from them, solid. So I was the Choco Vesa. So I had the so I had the Stone Choco Vesa Imperial Stout, inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. It was eight point one percent. I think it was like fifty IBUs or something like that. But all that's just the the malt bitterness that you'd expect from stout, and it definitely tastes like hot chocolate. It's got a lot of body, like it just lingers, and it's got that imperial stout, just just dark malty bitterness that you want in, especially a stone stout. Like they have some really good stouts, but I never got any of the heat. The pasilla peppers, they never really came through, but the nutmeg, cinnamon, vanilla notes, they all blended really, really well with the hot chocolate. It's super smooth, super easy drinking. Like especially when it comes to imperial stouts, usually. Uh, me personally, I have to kind of choke them down and take my time, but I had to actually pressure myself to not just drink this because <laughs> it is so smooth and it's it's a lot sweeter than other Imperial sets that I've had. Be, a lot of those is the malt sweetness, but this is, definitely has that chocolate sweetness. And it does have some of those dark chocolate bitter notes that you look for in chocolate sauce and stuff like that. But this is sort of like a milk stout and a chocolate stout. It's it's good. It's good. I like it. Well, shall we dive back into some multicolored shenanigans? Yes, sir. All right. These cards are dope. Yeah, so the the multicolored rares uh, that we're going to start with here are the allied colored creatures. Um, They all have that same abilities matter kind of sub-theme that we see out of the allied colors for this set. Uh, First one for white, blue. We've got Sky Cat Sovereign, and it's a 1-1 elemental cat. Uh, it's got flying, and it gets plus one, plus one for each other creature you control with flying. And for two white blue, create a one-one white cat bird creature token with flying. Is there a name for that non-anthem anthem effect? What is that called? I don't know if they have a name for it. Yeah, it's the it's a reverse anthem, right? There is one, huh? Instead of one thing buffing everything, it's everything buffing that one thing. So cool. Yeah, this card. I love this. Yeah, this card. card is really, really strong. I just love that you can just dump mana into it to get flying tokens, right? Usually you do that and you just get like a soldier token or something like that for four mana. It's worth getting that just as a as a mana sink later in the game. Yeah, and usually the mana sinks like this, they just make a a token and it just doesn't do anything. But this one has flying buffs, so it automatically buffs your dude. And I think this is just a really easy build around. If you just run four of these, you're playing two mana four fours for flying all day. I'll do that. Two mana four fours that spend another four mana and they all become five fives, then six, six. And yeah, like, this is like seven dwarves, but way better. Yeah. <laughs> and in white blue, so just better colors. <laughs> all right, for Selesnia, we've got Frondland Felidar, two green and a white for a three five creature cat beast with vigilance. Creatures you control with vigilance have one in a tap tap target creature. I think this is a really good extra weapon for the Vigilance deck. This is like the perfect thing for a Vigilance deck, right? Like tap down stuff is always good. Having it on something Vigilance where you're tapping it as well, like it allows you to play defensively while playing offensively, which is what Vigilance always does. And this allows you to then reverse that by playing offensively, by playing defensively. Yeah, usually with tap effects like these, you have to either choose to attack or use the tap effect and play defensively. But like you just said, Drew, this lets you play attack and defense. Yeah. Next one we got is Slither Wisp. This so card. it's blue, black, black for a 3-2 elemental nightmare creature with flash. 
Whenever you cast another spell that has flash, you draw a card and each opponent loses one life. So flash is already a very Shit, good... Son? A very good yeah. mechanic. <laughs> this card... I look at this card and I say, well, what commander do I know that is in Demir that has flash? And then I say, I don't care. I want everything else to have flash. I'm playing sorceries and I'm giving them flash. I'm doing all of the flash shit just so I can play this card because this card is absolutely insane. Yeah, it just refills your hand and drains your opponents. Like usually to draw a card, you have to lose life, but this lets you draw cards and makes them lose life. <laughs> yeah, this card. Like the only, like I guess, bad part about this is that it cares about the other things, whereas all of these other ones care about like themselves as well in their ability. Yeah. So. I guess it makes sense that it has to be on the battlefield for it to see that flash. But yeah. I, it would have been easy for them to tack on when you cast this spell or when it enters the battlefield, whatever. Yeah, that'd be too good, though. But he's not legendary, so you're playing four copies. Yeah, where you and can. something that I forgot to note on these allied-colored ones is that they show the creature types for the colors. I think blue has like elemental, uh, nightmare, and cats, something like that. Um, but each wedge has the three three colors and three creature types in it. And we'll see that with the apexes, which we'll talk about, but certain color pairs are going to have certain creature types in it, and these allied colors show it really well. Just a side note. Yeah, it looks like blue is elementals, white is cats, green is beasts, black is nightmares, and red heavy on them dinosaurs. Makes sense across the board. All right, so next one, Gary. Yep, up next we've got the lab rat. We've got labyrinth raptor. It's Black and a red for a 2-2 creature nightmare dinosaur with menace. Whenever a creature you control with menace becomes blocked, defending player sacrifices a creature blocking it. Black and a red, creatures you control with menace get plus one plus zero until end of turn. So, we always talk about how hard it is to evaluate menace and blocking. This card just absolutely... This makes it easier. Yeah, I mean, your your shit's going to get blown up anyways. To evaluate. Like, I'm just not blocking. (laughs) Yeah. Or I'm blocking it. I know which creature I'm sacrificing, so hopefully the other one can deal the damage I need. Yeah, usually with Menace, it's so hard to deal with it, and this just makes it even worse to deal with. And then the fact that even if you still block or don't block, you can still get pumped and take even more damage or can kill whatever you tried to block with that didn't get sacrificed. Yeah, I think this is a a really sweet build around. I am glad that it's just a power buff um, because it does make the, oh, you didn't block? Let me pump that but also means that, oh, you chose to block, uh, you sacrificed that one, I'm going to pump it anyways, and you're making sure and that... still kill your other guy. Yeah, still kill your other guy, but it doesn't allow yours to survive, right? You're not changing the toughness on it to make sure that your creature can always survive those combats. And I think that's another just like part of the set that's just really good design. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last one here, Quartzwood Crackle. So we've got two red, red, green. For a six-six dinosaur beast, arguably one of both, like one of the strongest of both tribes, in my opinion. Um, so trample, and whenever one or more creatures you control with trample deal combat damage to a player, create an XX green dinosaur beast creature token with trample, where X is the amount of damage those creatures dealt to that player. So the big keyword on dinosaurs and beasts is trample, and the fact that this just gets so much better just keeps pumping out big like fat. XX on its own trample dinosaurs five mana six six trample dumping out creatures those creatures can then continue to dump out creatures like this is just like a cascading effect that's just gonna absolutely kill people uh 
if this thing had haste, say from like Rhythm of the Wilds, something like that, this thing is just going to absolutely kill people so fast because the first time it hits, it's going to hit so hard and it's just going to pump out something that's going to continue to hit hard. Yeah, I think another good thing to look at is when it attacks, usually swing out when you want to attack with trampoly stuff. And so this actually makes blockers for you to hold up. That's true. I thought of that. Like even if you just make a one one, does still block. So all right. Yeah, the card's sick. Um, next section here is just the companions. Uh, I kind of want to go through this relatively quickly just because the abilities themselves kind of speak for what they want to do. Um, so first one we've got, uh, and I asked Corey uh, on these ones to re-rank them based on the power level of them, and I assume that we know who number ten is. Um, so we'll just go on to to yeah. I had a, I had some trouble because I there's different ones for EDH that are easily way better in Commander, and then there's certain ones in Standard that are hot garbage, and so it was kind of a struggle <laughs> to rank them because the first couple they're kind of good in a lot of formats, and then once we get going, they're only good in like one or two formats. Right. So the first one we have is Zerda the Dawn Waker. One and two hybrid Boros mana for a legendary creature, Elemental Fox. It's a 3-3 three, three, and it has Companion. The Companion effect is each permanent card in your starting deck has an activated ability. Abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than one mana. And for one tap, target creature can't block this turn. So Corey, you put this one here because... So this one, right away, it's just a two-card infinite mana combo in EDH with Grim or Basalt Monolith. and Oh, you rank them from 10 to 1, not 1 to 10. Yeah, so this is the best one. Gotcha. Well, this is the best one in EDH that's not banned. And the next one is the best one in all other formats. Gotcha. Well, Girudo, G- Giruda, Giruda. Yeah. is actually destroying Legacy and Vintage right yeah, now. True. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's just hard, so hard to rank these because of all the formats. Like some of them... Like, this one is not good in standard or modern or anything. Uh, there's but, there's uh, one deck in standard that I think is going to benefit off of it, but the rest of them are kind of like, eh, could care less. Yeah. Like, the like deck color restrictions, I think, is the most impactful. infinite combo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, free infinite combos? Or? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and, like, it, it's in Boros, but having permanent cards with activated abilities is super easy, especially because you're only building a combo deck with this card. Uh Next one we have is Loros of the Dream Den. We've talked about this one before. So one and two Orzhov hybrid mana for a cat nightmare. It's a legendary creature. Its companion is each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less as lifelink. And during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. It just happens to be a three-two. This is another one that's so this one power potential. Yeah, people are messing around with this one in standard and modern. They're making uh Rakdos burn decks. They're making Boros burn decks. They're making Jun sacrifice decks. Like uh, this one's making a lot of waves, and I like it. It's cool. Yeah, I love this one in uh, Aristocrats because basically oh, everything yeah. in Aristocrats yeah. is two two mana, right? Like, oh no, you blew up my Goblin Bombardment. Guess what? It's a permanent. Oh shit. <laughs> yep. Up next, we've got Yarion Sky Nomad three and two hybrid Azorius mana four five legendary creature Bird Serpent. With Companion, your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. It has flying, and when it enters the battlefield, exile any number of non-land permanents you control 
Exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control. Return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So this one, the the companion clause is too hard to even evaluate. Like, Commander, you can't play it. And I want to be proven wrong in every other format. I want people to make this work. But I just think a a five-mana, four-five flying that bounces all your stuff or flickers all your stuff, I think that's really, really powerful. I think that's going to see a lot of play, but the companion, I don't think this is ever going to be a companion. No, this is the worst companion, but it's one of the better cards in the set for just yeah, itself. That's, yeah, that's that's kind of why I had it up so high because as a companion, hot garbage, but as a card. All right, what's next? So this one's Gigantha the Wellspring. It's four and a hybrid gruel mana for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature, Elemental Elk. Companion, no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbols in its mana cost. And then has an ability tap and add Wooburg. This mana can't be spent to pay generic mana costs. So so I think this one is really hard in all other formats besides Commander. Yeah, I think that... Because unless... No, you go ahead. No. Well, I, I just think in a lot of uh, standard modern and vintage legacy decks, you usually want to focus on colors and not spread as much and a lot of the the better cards in those colors are at minimum double pips and this one you gotta do single pips which in edh is a lot easier to do because you have an access to just thousands and thousands more cards than those other formats yeah, i just think that this card is like strictly commander because of the like requirements that commander has right this is always going to be a five color card so it's going to go in five color decks, which generally have cards that are split in their mana cost such that this card is just going to be golden in those decks. Like there are some like Golos decks that have been altered to not have Golos because obviously all of the bannings and shit surrounding Golos uh, that could still use it. And I think that the five color God deck might still want to play this because all of the gods only have the one mana symbol. But again, like those are the like strict requirements on it that makes it only like only desirable in commander i think yeah I, and i think it can also just be your commander because it's a five 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 or it's a five mana five five that adds five mana true so it can get the rest of your deck working yeah that you only have to spend green but, on right which your yeah. base color for five color decks is green yeah yeah and so I, I think a lot of these companion claws make these cards so hard to like rate and assess because Sometimes they're hot garbage and unplayable. Other times they're super easy to do in different formats. And sometimes you just never even want to play them as companions. Yeah. Jagantha is interesting, though, because I feel like good as commander just so that you can recast it, but like solid as a companion just so that you you do always have access to it when you need it. But it's kind of telling when you cast it, right? Whereas your commander, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's my commander. Everything is five color. I'm obviously doing this for that. But it's like, oh shit, he played the companion. Like it's, it's game time. He's, he's, he's doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the he's next one it. is fucking dumb. Uh, Lutri, the spell chaser. The worst of them all. Uh, the best of them all. Uh, so one, yes. and hybrid is That's it. That's what I mean. And hybrid is it. <laughs> Legendary creature, elemental otter. It's a 3-2. The companion clause. Each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name. Has flash. And when Lucha's Belt Tracer enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target instant or source spell you control, you may choose new targets for the copy. So at worst, it's a better dual caster mage. At best, it's the best version of dual caster mage. Yeah, this is unplayable 
in a lot of formats. Literally banned in Commander. And it's unplayable in the only format that would make it good. <laughs> so a lot of restrictions for that one. So I, I, I had think- this one in the middle just because I felt like we needed to talk about that. Because if it wasn't banned, it'd be yeah. too good. And in every other format, having different names for cards is the reason those formats, or it's the opposite reason those formats work. Like, being able to get four ofs makes those formats So, I'm trying to remember with Lutri, did they ban it as a companion, or did they ban it entirely? They banned it. No, they banned it all entirely. That is kind of interesting. I feel like it's fine in the 99. Yeah, I I think this would be the only playable place for it in the 99, but they just banned it. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't see why like that would just be dumb to create a companion card and then just ban its companion clause. <laughs> like you have Yeah, to I guess that's card. fair. Yeah, I think that that was the reason because it's the same reason they got rid of the banned as commander. Yeah, because there was clause. a couple of cards. They just that, have it banned yeah. outright. Because it's just too yeah. confusing. It's like because then you kinda of have three ban lists. You have the banned list, the banned as commander list, and the banned. At least as that one's short. List, which they're just like, yeah. <laughs> and so they just said, no, it's just banned. Just, just yeah. all together, which sucks because which yeah, oh, dope. yeah, but it's it's also fine. You know what I mean? It's not going to hurt EDH in any way, and it's not going to be like all these other formats have a tool that yeah. Commander doesn't. It's not, so not going to hurt that it's yeah, so, sucks, but it's not that. Is what you're saying? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It would fuck everything. Like, up as soon as this one was spoiled, I literally <laughs> had our group chat, and I was just like, "Yo, guys, this thing's so sick!" And then I don't know if it was you or Sean immediately threw in, just like, "Yo, this is already banned." I was like, "Fuck, really?" Immediately, man. Yeah, yeah. This is the the yeah. only card in Magic history that was preemptively banned before yeah, the set I was, came out. I was a little salty. And they they said they said I think they said that usually they look at cards and if they are going to be banned immediately, they try not yeah. to make them. But this card is just for EDH. They didn't want people to go out and buy them and yeah. spend money on them because as yeah. soon as this card it's was so much is, better that they banned. Yeah, as soon as this card was made, they knew it was going to. Yeah. Oh, and. If it was commander legal, the first two weeks it yeah. would climb. No matter where it started, it would just. I mean, shoot I don't the even think the there. first two weeks. I think it would just keep yeah, it would, climbing it would just be, as, as people opened packs. Well, yeah, but I mean, whenever they banned it, it would be double, triple, yeah. quadruple. Yeah, and then it would be like ten percent of the cost will, to make the card. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> yeah, once formats that run dual yeah. caster mage and uh, doubling spells like that, I think they'll try and make this work. They'll never try and make it work as the companion clause, no. but I think just in the night or in the sixty, I think. Honestly, the way I see like dual caster mage, Narumeha, any of the other like fork effects is that they're they're a draft or limited environment card. It's really really hard to like get the right value in a standard environment with a legendary creature like that. Having it as the companion is all right, but I still think it's four of yeah, exactly. It's four of playable because it's only a three two for three. You're just looking for the fork, so you'll fucking toss out the other one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Decent body. All right, this next guy is Garuda, Doom of the Depths. Four and two split cost of mere mana for a 6-6 legendary creature, Demon Kraken, bro. Whoa. With the companion... With the companion... Why can't I fucking say that? Because you've been the drinking last two episode I edited, I was like, Garyan, <laughs> what's wrong? With the companion clause of your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs. When Giruda enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyards. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Now, that effect, I am all... Well, uh, right then. So, Aminatu loves like flicker and blink effects. And how many times do you want to blink Garuda? 
All the every, time. Every single every time. Times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this card, I brought it up. It's making waves in, I think it's vintage right now. Making yes. waves. People, it's people making odd color decks and running this as a companion and just fucking people up. <laughs> And I don't, I don't think it's going to get banned, but I think it's just yeah. overrunning people right now, and people are still trying to make the, the a deck to combat it. I'm not sure exactly what that deck list looks like, the one against it and the one that's running Garuda right now, but I think this is just a really, really solid and fun card to build. I'm just trying to think, think as a companion. like You can't really cheat it out, which means you're paying retail for it. Yeah, but... So, I, but granted, you've got like, Moxus and... Like, ways to get infinite mana really easily but yeah, it's just I, kind I of i can't remember what the payoffs are but i think in commander this card it gets a lot worse because right away you can't run your soul ring <laughs> but in but yeah you can oh never mind even cost not as commander i keep on wanting this tangy the fucking one mana or the the odd i, <laughs> odd. I want this to be odd so bad yeah in <laughs> commander as a whole this card is awesome super good but as a companion in commander I don't think it's very good. Or I think it's a lot harder to build around. Uh, the thing that I noticed about Gruta, though, is that it is six mana. And there's one creature type that I see that's always six mana. And that's demons, which Gruta is one of. Oh, so God. I feel like, yeah, demon tribal Gruta, I think would be a lot of fun. And you get blue, like, just free. Let's look at the Selesnia one here. We've got Kuriha, the Orphan Guard. One and two Simic hybrid manas for a three, two legendary creature, Cat Beast. Your companion clause, each creature card in your starting deck is a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast card. Those are the five tribes of Ikoria, besides humans, but who cares about humans? They're boring. Uh, as Vigilance, so Selesnia loves that Vigilance, and each other creature you control that's a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast gets plus one, plus one, and has Vigilance. So Vigilance Tribal, very real. It's also just an anthem for whatever the hell you have. Um, this card has a lot of potential, but you better get like so much value off of those creature types. Yeah, I think this is an easy draft card because it cares about all the types on Ikoria. So Ikoria, this is going to be super easy to play. And then, oh, yeah, Ikoria, and, this is like anti-humans. Fuck the humans. I yeah, care about everything else. In other formats, I think you have to cater to the tribe not necessarily one of those tribes but you're probably only going to cater to one of those tribes but then just a 3-2 vigilance for 3 that potentially buffs all your other stuff I think that's pretty solid yeah I mean imagine your cat tribal deck Corey this thing is just free oh yeah uh, yeah and I think a lot of the the tribes that ha- or the the decks that run those tribes they have Selesnia in them like they're usually Naya or above and so I think this is a lot easier to run as a companion in Commander, especially in those than decks. a lot of the other ones. Like usually, you have some one-offs that mess up your uh, tribal support, like Eternal Witness, for example. So yeah. you'd have to find like a workaround for those. But I think those are few and far between, and easy easy upgrades for this kind of effect because the three mana pump vigilance in those Naya and Selesnya aggro decks. I think they'll see play in a lot of commander decks. Yeah, the thing is, that this is another one that's just like, if you can make the companion work, amazing. Yeah. If you can't, it's a three mana vigilance and anthem for your team. Yeah, which like, in you, like you can do limited worse. or standard, like solid. Oh, yeah, it's a money card. Guardian? 
We've got Abosh the Prey Piercer. It's three and two hybrid Rakdos mana for a 3-5 legendary creature, Hellion Horror. The companion clause of your starting deck contains only cards with odd converted mana costs and land cards. If a source you control with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. Deal. Yeah, that sounds like he's got a home already. Uh, Furnace of Wrath, um, Dictator of the Twin Gods. Pretty sure both of those are five mana. I think Furnace of Wrath is four. Is it? I thought it was also I think, five. I think Dictate is... Five. Yeah, Dictate's three red red. Um, I love double damage effects. Yeah, they're, um, they're a lot of fun. I think that the deck building restriction, I have to be in Rakdos and Odd Tribal. It's a bit more difficult. Uh, I guess we'll see how it works out. I don't see him getting that much play anywhere. Same. Yeah, that's why I had him lower tier because, like, Giruda, it's even, but you can kind of win the game off his effect. Well, this just sort of helps you win more. So yeah. and he, it's five mana. So usually with double damage decks like that, they're looking for there's a lot of burn or direct damage and things like that. And so five mana, it's kind of on the higher end, at least in sixty card decks. Yeah, and but I mean, it is your finisher, right? Like yeah, essentially, instead 100%. of having a card that finishes the game, it's a card that amplifies everything else to help you finish the game. Yeah. Uh, the problem that I see is that everything that you want to run, as far as like burn is concerned, is one and two mana, right? And so this gets rid of half of that. Yeah. And that's going to feel really, really bad to have to go one to three. Yeah, so I think this one, instead of helping the easy decks, I think this kind of makes a new deck. I don't know if that deck is as good as those other ones, but I think people will try and it's make it work. It's just awkward. Yeah. Like, both Garuda and uh, Obosh are, like, super awkward in that you're skipping every other turn or playing, like, undercosted cards on those turns. Yeah, and I think if the... The text said, if a source you control would deal damage, it deals double damage. The fact that it only cares about odd damage no matter after it's out, I think that hurts it in EDH as well. Because sometimes you're just not running. Like, if you don't have it as companion, you can't really throw this in a deck because half the time your deck won't yeah. do double damage when you need it to. Yeah. When you can't steal shit or anything. Yeah, it's just inferior to the blanket double damage effect. Yeah, for sure. Which... Let's be real. Those are good cards, but they're they're yeah, limited to <laughs> like the decks where you're getting the biggest advantage out of that. Whereas this is a source only yeah. a source you control that gets that double damage effect. So you're not getting punished for it. Yeah, I think that the easy conclusion or the easy idea for this deck would just be Torbrand, but Torbrand's four mana and he's mono red, so you can't even do that. Fuck, it's rough. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like a slot in. Guys, red just sucks, bro. Red's great. Oh it's God. just you gotta you gotta work work with it. You gotta work hard. <laughs> yeah. Tell people, mono red isn't as simple as people think. Feasible. Yeah, it's no, it's really not. All right, next one. It's cheap next though. One, Gary, I'm gonna have nice. you go again. It's, it's fast. Yeah. So these next two cards are in the best color combinations you can have, and yet they're the worst. First, we've got, and well, yeah, these two specific cards. <laughs> Uh, the first one is Umari the Collector. Two and two hybrid Golgari mana. Four, five legendary creature ooze with a companion clause of each non-land card in your starting deck shares a card type. As Umari the Collector enters the battlefield, choose a card type. Spells you cast of the chosen type cost one so, less to cast. I would argue this is actually one of the best ones. And that's because 
How I many? It's, it's a good ramp. Played like one card type what? that has interactions with everything else. Uh, Bestow exists for a reason. Um, Theros made some great enchantment creatures, and me building a Golgari infused enchantress deck sounds like a lot of fun. I'm willing to try it, but a, it's so restricted. But again, and it's bad everywhere. A Golgari infused enchant. Yeah, I was gonna say a Golgari infused enchantment deck is not really the generic good card. No, we're but in that deck, it's absolutely fucking bonkers. <laughs> Like every spell oh, you yeah. cast costs one. I, I think a lot of these companion cards have a way to make it, yeah, spicy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see this as the bottom tier of these cards personally, it's, but it's, it's certainly not one of the best. Like you're I only allowed think that like base creatures. You're only allowed base. I mean, you can't even do just instants and sorceries. It's instants or sorceries. Like like right. creatures are honestly the easiest one to do because they do have so many other types associated with them. Um, but god damn is that not like a painful hoop to jump through because all of the removal spells in the fucking game basically have like creature or something else or it's just creature so free removal for your opponents yeah you can't run some of the best spells in the game which are just instant sorceries because and then I, I think especially in EDH you can't run any of your ramp really and you're stuck to like primal genesis kind of decks just run Golgari artifacts and have all your artifact creatures. Actually, I think enchantments is actually the the strongest creature or strongest card type to choose because you do get enchantment creatures, you get artifact enchantments, and the artifacts that sorry not artifacts the enchantments that are generating creatures are so much stronger than like if you do all sorceries to make tokens and things like that. Um, I just think that enchantments yeah realistically does end up being the best type to choose aside from creatures. Because you can get the ramp, you can get the the card draw, you can get creatures, you can get tokens, you can do Voltron, you can do like whatever you want. You're just restricted to X plus enchantment to doing that. That's the thing. Like, which Golgari artifact commander can you use? Well, I'm putting this in a multicolored deck that's not just Golgari. See, yeah, you'd have to do that. You can't really run a Golgari deck with this guy, and because really you could only do creatures. Yeah, and then like with. Because a lot of the Primal Surge decks, like I was saying, they're usually Gruul because it's just Nakia the old ways or Rurik Thar and you just cheat everything yeah. out. But you can't even run this guy in those because it's got black. And so I think at the very worst... Is there enough Planeswalkers to make it four five. worth running a five-color? No, because you can't. there's no five-color Planeswalker that's legal in Commander. You have to do what? Sark? And no. is there even a, a, a five-mana enchantment creature? Chromanticore? No, it's not legendary. Yeah. I don't even think... He, because you have to do enchantment creature. Like we said, like the yeah. build around is too too tough for this companion. It's too restrictive yeah. because you're just you're hampering yourself. Yeah, in commander, like obviously you're restricted because you, you have to choose creature. Unless you can find like the the fringe case. But it's it's so difficult. Yeah, I also I don't know, I, just, I think it's just weird that a four mana card that helps you ramp. Like usually you want to ramp before that. But yeah, I know. I I don't see it is this really. as a companion, honestly. Like this again, it is just one of the ones that I am putting this in any deck that I have that's either tribal or that's like heavy enchantment or artifact based, and I'm just putting it in the 99 because it's going to make it better. Yeah, it's way better than the 99 for those decks. And let's maybe I'll I'll make an ooze tribal deck with this as the commander, not as the companion, and just make all my oozes cost one less. <laughs> I mean, that could be fucking good because there's some. 
damn good oozes. Granted, <laughs> there's also some dog shit tier oozes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But dude, just throw it in your Morophon deck. Just the next deck you build is yeah, just see, ooze. Yeah, ooze was gonna be one of them. So because like the best ooze is Mimeoplasm. Mimeoplasm. So Mimeoplasm deck would be sweet too. But I think just having a bunch of oozes would be a ton of fun. <laughs> All right, let's finish strong on the most like exploited, but at the same time worse. <laughs> like it's the best and the worst. Um, so we've got Karuga, the Macro Sage. So for three and two hybrid Simic mana, legendary creature, Dinosaur Hippo. Uh, she's a 5-4, and the Companion Clause, your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater, and land cards. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater. So, goddamn, your early game sucks. You have to you take two turns off. At least. That's what it, that's what it reads. Yeah, at least. You let your your, com- your in commander. Most people do that shit anyway. Yeah, but this means you don't get two mana rocks. You don't get soul ring. You don't yeah, get rampant growth. You don't get any of that stuff if you run it as a companion. Yeah, there's a lot that you skip out on. Um, but this is one that if you can frame your deck around it, then it just has so much upside. Like this again, just in the ninety nine, fantastic. Um, in Seriously. other formats, well, by turn three, you've already lost the game or you're like about to fucking yep. like <laughs> hammer home with the game. So, eh. yeah, I don't think this one can see any play as a command companion clause or as a companion. No. The five, five mana for it is Would really you- expensive on its own. And just the effect is good, but you, you need to fucking basically wheel yourself on this one. Let's move on to a cycle that I really like, mainly because Seb McKinnon fucking killed it. Uh, we've got the monocolored three color cards. <laughs> yeah, they're monocolored, but if you play them for multicolor, they got an upside. Yep, so we've got Mythos of Eluna, Mythos of Nethroi, Mythos of Vadrock, Mythos of Brokos. And Mythos of Snapdex. And so the first one is Mythos of Snapdex. That's two white, white for sorcery. Each player chooses an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker from among non-land permanents they control, then sacrifices the rest. However, if black and red was spent to cast this spell, you choose the permanents for each player instead. Uh, we have better board wipes. Yeah, so this is just a, a more mana-intensive tragic arrogance and I think it's interesting from a design perspective how these are monocolored cards, but if you have, if the, you cast a generic mana as colored mana, yeah, but then like they get better. the casting cost, if but, you spend the two generic as two multicolored, like you're spending four colored mana for that spell. Yeah, it, it makes it a lot, a lot harder yeah, to cool, cast. Flavorful, not, not helpful. Yeah, I think this can be backbreaking, but at the end of it, you have to sacrifice a bunch of stuff, and the opponent also has to sacrifice a bunch of stuff. So you don't get rid of everything. And it's, it's the way the white does things, right? Everything a parody. Yeah. All right. Uh, what yeah. about the next one? Sick, we've got Mythos of Eluna. Two blue-blue for a sorcery. Create a token that's a copy of target permanent. If red-green was spent to cast a spell, instead create a token that's a copy of that permanent, except the token has... When this permanent enters the battlefield, if it's a creature, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. So it could be a fight spell. 
if you got the the right colors. But at worst, yeah, you just get a copy something. A token of a permanent. This one is very good. I feel like this one's almost better just as a model. No, it, easily. Uh, it is restricted in Commander because of the extra cost on it. All of these are three-colored spells effectively for Commander. Yes. Um, yeah, I think in 60-card formats, just making a copy of your opponent's best thing or your best thing for four mana, Yeah, so I think that's pretty good. Cool. Um, this is one of the few things in Magic that can copy lands. That's weird. This is mono blue yeah. ramp. <laughs> mono blue, but not. I get a token, a, a token Team land. Up next, we've got Mythos of Nethroi, two and a black for an instant. Destroy target non-land permanent if it's a creature or if green and a white was spent to cast this spell. So if you cast it for its normal cost, you're killing a creature. If you cast it for all three, then you're getting any non-land. Any non-land no, permanent. Yeah. So important. For Obzon, it's great. I think this is for very good. Mono yeah. black, it's fine. I think mono black, it's really good. And in Commander, oh, yeah. if you can run it, this, yeah, this card is insane. Beast. It's like it's beast within, but you don't give them a three. Yeah. Or it's just you know destroy target creature, which generally speaking, there's going to be creatures out. It's not like it's going to be a dead card. Um, yeah. The next one, big fan of this one. Uh, sorry. I should have said that with a, a heavier emphasis on the sarcasm. Uh, Mythos of Adrok. Damn it, Gary, and why did you say that? <laughs> Adrok. Uh, Mythos of Adrok. <laughs> Two red, red for sorcery. It deals five damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers. If white blue was spent to cast this spell until your next turn, those permanents can't attack or block and their activated abilities can't be activated. So for Jessica, you can lock down their board. Uh, assuming they have, you know, five creatures, which is okay. Um, four mana for five damage is not a spectacular rate. Um, you kill one, maybe two creatures with this, and you're probably pretty happy with it. Um, but, God, this card, in comparison to the other ones, is very, very disappointing. The artwork's yeah, think, the best, though. The artwork is really good. I just, I think this card is really good in Definitely. limited formats because freezing their whole board and potentially killing stuff is Backbreaking, game ending, but Drew, like you said, five damage for four mana. Like this is a shit removal spell. You're almost always going to be wanting to cast it for the disruption and freezing their board, but that means you need to be Jeskai minimum. Yeah, and with that, like you, there's so many better spells than Jeskai for like locking down the board. Like fuck off with this one. Yeah, um, I think it's funny as well that the black one, yeah, not the blue or the red, is the only instant. Yeah, yeah, for sorcery, great. you want so Black much more. Black is well known for loving instant speed spells. Instant speed removal. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does have flash tribal, kind yeah, of. it's true. In this set. <laughs> Last one we got is Mythos of Brokos. Two green green for sorcery. If blue black was spent to cast a spell, search your library for a card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. But otherwise, return up to two permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. So for... Two this green green, it's a double like a, regrowth, which is the exact cost of two regrowths. Yeah. That's not yeah. that's not great. That, that's okay. That's bad. Re- regrowth is good sometimes. Usually you don't want to main board yeah. it. But I think the the Demir cost adding to it. It makes it a tutor. I don't yeah, I don't you can, you tutor for your either your best thing. And then you get whatever your and best you can thing. Put it in your in, hand. Yeah, you tutor for your best thing. Yeah. 
and then you put whatever is the best thing currently in your graveyard into your hand. That's yeah, that's better. Minutes, that's a okay. lot better, right? If you were to split the cost as like still, though, demonic tutor regrowth. plus regrowth, regrowth. Like tell someone that you're getting demonic tutor and regrowth for four man, and they're probably like, well, that's how much demonic tutor and regrowth would normally cost. So yeah, I'll pay that. Well, yeah, as long as your best thing is a permanent right. card, because right. like you can't get your best removal spell unless and it's put it into your hand. Murderous writer. Unless it's yeah, that's true. Well, um, I mean, you I could if you're doing some sort of recursion outside of just this one card, which the assumption is you are. You could go get your best spell, return to permanence, and then have, you know, Eternal Witness or some shit to go grab that best spell, whatever. But True. I still think that's yeah. a lot of hoops to be doing, whereas I'd rather just pop one card onto the battlefield. <laughs> I don't have to yeah. cast that shit. Yeah. I think this might, I think people might try and make a Giruda Sultai cool. deck with this, where you, you pitch your, you tutor for your best thing, pitch it into your graveyard, get two things back, play Garuda. Know some more and then cheat your best thing out. Yeah. But that sounds like a lot. Of That's stuff. like step one, have this specific deck. Step two, that deck needs to be more specific so you can have your companion. Step three, jump through two more <laughs> exactly. two more steps. Step four, which is actually step six, hopefully win the game. Get all the cards at the right order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this next one, I asked you to throw these into an order. Were you able to find out which order was best, which ones were worst? So it's... Just like the, with the companions, some cards are really good for EDH because they're one of formats, and other cards are really good in sixty card formats because you can double up stuff. And some cards are just bad. All right, <laughs> so we'll just start with. Uh... So I, I I tried to rank them according. It's kind of like two two one, like the yeah, sense. I got like you. These two are good in EDH and standard or sixty card formats, and the next two are okay in those formats, and then the last one is just all right. So. I also yeah. added on to this one uh, because these are the ultimatums. Uh, we've previously seen the ultimatums from oh, shards. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and uh, I'm going to read the, the the disappointment. I'll say it, uh, and then we'll compare it to its original version or the the one that we're comparing it to, uh, and they'll kind of give an idea of what we're talking about here. So, uh, inspired ultimatum is blue, blue, red, 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 white, white for sorcery. Target player gains five life. It deals five damage to any target, then you draw five cards. Now, that is in comparison to uh, Cruel Ultimatum for Blue Blue. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the point. So this one compares to Cruel Ultimatum for Blue Blue, Black, 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 Red, Red. Sorcery, target opponent sacrifices a creature, discards three cards, then loses five life. You return a creature card from a graveyard to your hand, draw three cards, then gain five life. <laughs> so Cruel Ultimatum has a lot of things going on. Uh, I think it has three more things than what, whatever this other garbage is, um, and yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. Like the best, arguably the best part about Cruel Ultimatum is making your opponent discard three cards and you drawing three cards. This one you get to draw five cards though. Yeah, but it doesn't like you get to do five damage. Like you, you might be able to kill one thing, or granted, you can take a fourth of their life. Yeah. You might be able to finish them off, but... What if we looked at it this way? It's a 10-point life, life swing, and you draw five cards. For that's seven okay. colored mana. <laughs> it, that's okay as your very top end in standard, yeah. or in limited. Even then, like, dude, you have to have... You have to have so... Like, the color restriction is like... So, that's a hard no for me. Like, they just dropped the ball so hard. It's like, hey, all of this other Jeskai yeah, stuff is super sure. fucking good. We have to give them one trash rare. 
Yeah, I just I don't even know how to make this card like better. Uh, you spend another two to five mana, fork it at least once. Okay, yeah, that that there we go. But drawing ten cards for ten mana or nine mana and twenty point life swing. Yeah, yeah, this card. Not yeah, too yeah. I don't know. It's just five life is ironically this so card is very uninspired. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just jump into the good cards now. Yeah, that ones. Uh, yeah, so the, the one I put first, this one is insane in EDH. It's Eerie Ultimatum. It's white, white, black, 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 green, green for sorcery. Return any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. God fucking damn it, you guys. Return all permanents in your graveyard. Seven mana. <laughs> yeah, that that's basically what I read. <laughs> yeah, it might be okay in 60 card formats. Because you just get your whole board back, but it's just one ofs. Yeah. In EDH, you literally get your whole graveyard back. Well, Dude, <laughs> there's already, was it Kethis? Kethis Super yeah, Friends? Yeah, that thing is. God damn. <laughs> so Aerial Ultimatum is basically a you win the game button. Uh, and the only one that really fit for the old, old Ultimatums was Titanic Ultimatum, which is red, red, green, 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 white, white, for sorcery until end of turn creatures you control get plus five, plus five, gain first try, lifelink. And trample. So this is, I feel like, a little bit more obvious of a win the game button. Um, but you smash this down, and if you lose that game, it better be because they countered it. Yeah, I think just the only problem with overrun effects, and like this is probably the one of the greatest overrun effects, it's you need to have a board. Yeah. And sometimes when you, when you hit seven mana, and you're able to cast this, your board just won't be there. And I think that's why when you compare it to some other spells that, like, the, like uh, what is it? Aerial Ultimatum, that does kind of just get you in the game and win. Yeah, yeah if you look Although at like you, Quadrant you need to have a setup and this is a finisher. Right. Like this is only going to be good in the late game. Like, granted, they all are. They're seven mana. Uh, but like if you're behind yeah. or you're ahead, Aerial Ultimatum is still very, very, very good. Whereas with Titanic Ultimatum, you already have to have a board. You're probably already ahead. This is a kind of win more. It's only in Commander and things like that where uh, Titanic Ultimatum starts to look that much extra efficient for its cost. Yeah. All right, Gary. I know you're pretty excited about this next one. Your favorite colors. I was gonna say it is my favorite colors, but I, like comparing it to Eerie Ultimatum, like I love the graveyard stuff, but I feel like this one is really, really close to the power level because we got a lot of phrases that just say "card," <laughs> not permanent <laughs> card. Uh, so it's Emergent Ultimatum: Black, Black, Green, 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 Blue, Blue for a sorcery, search your library for up to three monocolored cards with different names and exile them. An opponent chooses one of those cards, shuffle that card into your library. You may cast the other two cards without paying their mana costs, without. then exile Emergent Ultimatum. I'm glad it does say without paying their mana costs, because you've already spent seven mana on this. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I still feel like this is just putting your opponents between a rock and a hard place. This one has the potential in the right deck to be as good, I think, as Eerie Ultimatum. Um, this card has which I don't think is inaccurate. Um, it does obviously put some more agency into your opponent's hand, um, whereas Tooth and Nail is just, I get to choose. But Tooth and Nail is like eight mana altogether. This is potentially just seven. So another card that people are comparing this one to is oh, a banned yeah. card in Commander. It's Gifts Ungiven. Which reads three in a blue for an instant. Search library for up to four cards with different names and reveal them. Target opponent chooses two of those cards. Put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand. So what a lot of people are doing with this card 
is you choose the best three cards that can win you the game as soon as you get them, and you play that. And no matter what your opponent chooses, you're going to win the game because you get like combo pieces or ways to tutor the combo piece, and then it doesn't matter what they really choose. Yeah, a lot of the best tutors are monocolored, so choosing three tutors is really funny to me. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, luck, I know bitch. I people, get I don't what know I want anyways. If this will, because it's seven mana, but this is a seven mana win you game, but people are coming up with um, Flash Hulk. Well, not Flash Hulk anymore because Flash is banned, but they're Timna Thrasios uh, decks. And so hmm, obviously like you, could you play this card on a consultation deck. and uh, Ad nauseum. Thassa's Oracle. Oh, yeah. And well, and they're three a- monocolored cards, but they're not three different color monocolored cards. So you could yeah. get three of the same color as, lo- as long as they're monocolored. Yeah, so I think one of the ones, one of the lists was uh, Demonic Consultation, Thassa's Oracle, and Expropriate. And so you either lose a game that turn or you give them extra turns that they're going to win the game on. And so That's it's, funny. Just, it's, it's just a seven minute. You just grab expropriate mana. omnipotence and some other stupid. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That, that's another list. There was, I can't remember the other one. I think it might've been enter the infinite. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking. And so no, ma- no matter what you're doing, you're either giving them turns or giving them their whole deck. It's, well, I and you're casting up there. Yeah, you're casting these. You're not just playing them for free. So these are taking your Emrakuls and all this gross shit. Like you can do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, there's no sure. good answer as the opponent on this card. You're just like, fuck me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm, this card is still good, but I don't know how good it's going to be in 60 card formats. Yeah. Because you will get your best stuff and you get to cast it for free, but I don't know if there's any win the game immediately. Probably in Legacy and Vintage and stuff like that. Um, they don't ever sure get about, to seven mana. I'm not sure. Just to yeah, I'm not sure in mono or in modern how easy it is to get seven colored mana and then go off. Yeah, that. not right now. There's not really a great way to do that. But yeah, I'm I'm sure there's some some cool soul tie stuff you could do. But yeah, this card, it's a good thing that it exiles itself. Yeah, <laughs> it would have. That's to. how that's how you know Wizards was thinking about the power <laughs> level when they have the ex, the card exile itself. Yeah, but they still. This shit gave just three needs cards. to disappear. Like, yeah, most most things that we refer to as combos are two card combos, and exactly, so it's like yeah. that's why in combo decks you can you'll always get something to help you win. Yeah, this is just guarantees win when you get seven mana in those colors for sure. Uh, so the comparison here is brilliant ultimatum. So white, white, blue, 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 black, black for sorcery. Remove the top five cards of your library from the game. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. You may play any number of the. You can play any number of cards from one of those piles without paying their mana costs. So if you, again, are, you know, say an Esper and can stack the top of your deck, well, then your opponent has a very tough choice. Um, So if you look at Factor Fiction, generally speaking, as someone uh, who is playing that card, you want to choose, and this is like the very generalized rule, uh, is you want to choose the card that has the most to put in your hands. This, you get to cast them. So each of those cards is you know, that much more impactful immediately. And so, good luck, opponent. Like, you have a, a tough tough choice to make for, again, like, commander. And this was probably pretty solid in its time because something like this helps you just finish a game in standard, but I don't see where it has any play outside of, like, its original standard environment, limited environment, and then commander at this point. Yeah, this one is really hard because, like, emergent ultimatum, you just kind of win the game. Well, this one... You're you're gonna be up, but they can easily just choose or like split the cards up where you can't win the game. Yeah, yeah, they can put your like 
combos that are split. You know, and then you choose. Yeah, they they kind of have too much control. All right. So next one is Genesis Ultimatum. So this is the teamer one. Green, green, blue, 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 red, red. It's a sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. Put any number of permanent cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest into your hand. Exile Genesis Ultimatum. So again, like Corey was just saying, uh, with Emergent Ultimatum, if they put Exile on it, it's probably a pretty powerful effect. Um, Teamer likes certain things, um, permanence being among them. So I don't see as to where you're losing value off of this card. Um, you're also in blue and red, which means that you can fork this one. And nine mana for doubling this effect is well spent. Yeah, I think this one is kind of harder to look at or gauge it because seven mana for five cards that you don't get to choose doesn't sound very good. Like, yeah, you get to put them onto play, but what if you get like three lands and two instants? Then it's just, it's almost as bad as Inspired Ultimatum where you just paid seven mana to draw a couple cards and then it exiles itself. So you can't really get it back. So I think the. The power level of this card is just too variable for it to be built around consistently. I think it's still very, very powerful, especially in these colors. Yeah, I think that... But in, you kind of have to stack your deck on the high side, which might fuck up your curve and not help you get to seven mana to cast it. So this one is kind of similar to Brilliant Ultimatum, like we just read, but it also fits kind of uh, nicely with Clarion Ultimatum. So this one is... Green, green, white, 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 blue, blue. For sorcery, choose five permanents you control. For each of those permanents, you may search your library for a card with the same name as that permanent. Put those cards into play tapped, then shuffle your library. So that card has very, very fringe play in Commander. Um, I'm sure that it was probably a beatdown in its own uh, standard environment. And I think that there's one deck that uses it in uh, Modern, but that deck basically isn't played anymore. So I want to know what your opinion is on why you put this next card below uh, Genesis Ultimatum. We've got Ruinous Ultimatum. Red, red, white, 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 black, black for a sorcery. Destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. So this one I put below because it doesn't really... It doesn't say win the game. It helps you... Yeah, like Genesis Ultimatum can win you the game. This one either cements your lead in the game or gets you back in the game which i think it's still stupid good and it's even better in commander but if your opponent doesn't really have a lot then this doesn't really do anything like it's just a seven mana waste taking up a, a spell kind of thing in commander this is always going to be valuable but but this it's not true for other formats yeah it's i don't know this is kind of a one of those win more cards definitely or if you're very very behind will get you back in the game kind of cards. It won't just get you to where you need to be. I still love it. I'm still definitely going to play it. It's, it's in Gary's wake, but better. And cheaper, kind of. And cheaper, but way more mana intensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but board as board wipes oh, go. fantastic. Like, this, this is, is... up there as one of the best board wipes right now. This is fucking... This will put you so far ahead like, this is, in an EDH game. It's much better than violent. Is that the old one? Oh, yeah, dude. That one. Yeah. <laughs> you want to just read that one? Yeah, the, the old one that we're comparing it to is black, black, red, 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 green, green for a sorcery. Destroy three target permanents. Yeah. Oh, ew. Ooh. 
Well, I think we can do that. Power creep. <laughs> I think there's a spell yeah. in last year's commander that does that for like three black black. <laughs> like it's permanent. some of these old cards that's still good, but and some of them are still very very broken. Yeah, they're either the most busted shit we have, or they're they're just bad. All right, let's move on to our three color enchantments here. Um, again, I'm gonna start on the worst one and then skip up to the best one. So, worst one is Offspring's Revenge for two in Mardu. So that's two red, white, black. It's an enchantment at the beginning of combat on your turn. Exile target red, white, or black creature card from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a one-one. It gains haste until end of your next turn. I think this, this, this card's card. good. This card's really good in limited Very and good. Mardu decks. Everything else... I mean, it's not literally unplayable. Like, in, in not, maybe Boros decks or Orzhov decks, but, the, but Orzhov, you want to keep sacking it and recurring it and stuff right, like that. Right, but you still so have you to don't play really that off stuff in order to get those. Right, yeah, like it's, it's always going to be a three-costed card, whereas yeah. some of the other ones that have had like hybrid mana. Um, yeah, this one, at least it's not like a... Uh, token that goes away at the end of turn, right? That's a token that does yeah. stay. It's a one-one, but it has all of the abilities. Yeah, so, and shit. yeah. Ideally, you want to abuse really good ETBs yeah. with this card. And by the time you get five mana, hopefully you'll have some of those in your graveyard. But the fact that it only targets red, white, or black creatures, it just funnels it into such a limited way because you can't run it in multicolor decks, like or Wuburg decks or anything like that. Like it only cares about. Marty yeah, stuff. and it Marty stuff or it's less. such a like anti uh, reanimate strategy as well because it exiles those things. Yeah, and so like yes, you do get the thing a second time, and we've talked about this before. Um, getting the thing a second time is obviously better than just losing it entirely. But you would much rather just go over and over and over again. I think it was a uh, Verena, the Esper zombie, like just not not what we want, what we need. It's just it's a disappointment. Um, Compared to Whirlwind of Thought, which is one in Jeskai, so one blue, red, white for enchantment. I'm going to level this card. Uh, this is your best <laughs> card of these ones? Because yeah. it's always going to do the thing that, that it does. The first, whenever, the first two are kind of tied because yeah. they kind of do the same shit. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, draw a card. Uh, I would agree that this is tied with, that's all, that's it, all. <laughs> tied with the next one because there is no downside. This thing is always, always, always going to do what you want it to do. The next one, we've talked about before, but it does have a downside that is sometimes way too steep. Um, it has massive upside, larger than just drawing a single card, because, you know, literally drawing two. Uh, but the the downside on it, if you're not able to capitalize on the effects that this presents, then it is just going to punish you. Yeah, it's Song of Creation, one green, red, and a blue for an enchantment. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards, and at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. Tis good. So, I think, obviously, what you guys talked about, the immediate problem is discarding your hand, and you need to have the build around to be able to cast more things from your graveyard or get things back, have activated abilities. But I think it's just going to be really hard if you have this out and nothing going on and you draw for turn and it's a land and you're just like oh fuck <laughs> I, I don't have any gas yeah, there are turns when yeah. this is just working against you right yeah and I think this is the big fat all star in your four and five color decks because in teamer you discard your hand a lot of the times you just it's gone 
and that's fine. But like once you can get out a couple permanents that allow you to manipulate your graveyard <laughs> as part of your hand, like you said, that downside turns into upside instead of just a neutral zone where you're top decking. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely, and knowing me, the worst fucking luck in the world, I'm going to draw three <laughs> lands. And they're all going to be like, tapped. you guys are fucked. And then, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be screwed. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's exactly the issue with this one, right? Like, just because you're allowed to play an extra land in a turn doesn't mean you're going to be able to play an extra land each turn. Yeah, and I mean, if you can string spells together, you're refilling your hand forever for days, but then you still have to discard at the end. Yeah, and so that's that's what it comes down to, right? Is that... Basically, just says your maximum hand size is zero. So, like, you always have to be <laughs> going through everything in your hand every single turn. But by going through everything Unless in your you hand, you can skip your end step. Ooh. Right? But by going through Sundial Infinite, yeah, right? <laughs> by going through and like churning through your deck, you're drawing more cards, which means that you're going to discard more cards, which means that you have to have built in graveyard synergies. You just do. Otherwise, this card is going to like. Well, you're going to nut, and then you're not going to do Ruin anything the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, you got to have payoffs. This is definitely the enabler for the whole deck, but you need payoffs or else you're dead. Yeah. In the escape deck, this thing is unreal. Every other deck, it's like, yeah. I hope that you have something. And not regrowth, reanimate. Yeah, I think another really hard thing about this, about Song of Creation, is that when you play it, you're getting rid of your hand that, that turn. Yep. So you better play your other land and hope you have a one drop or something because all your cards are dead. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what you have. So unless they all have escape. Right? Because like... Yeah, so don't... I don't know. Don't Maybe don't pick this up in draft. <laughs> this might be too too hard. Oh, I'm going to pick it up in draft. <laughs> you kidding I was going to say, or do and just say, fuck it. This is right. a first pick for me. It's a bad one, but like, goddamn, <laughs> I'm doing it. I mean, it's fun, but I don't know. So the next one we have... I don't know. The next two... I don't know, like all four of these cards besides the, la besides the Mardu one are really, really good in the decks that they want to be in. Yeah. So this next enchantment is Death's Oasis. It's Abzan, so it's white, black, green for an enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then return a creature card with lesser converted mana costs than the creature that died from your graveyard to your hand. And has pay one, sacrifice death's oasis. You gain life equal to the greatest converted mana cost among creatures you control. Last ability is so a basically, a, yeah. The last is just like a hail mary. Like you need to stay in the game. But the first ability, it's just scrap trawler for creatures for non-token creatures. And scrap trawler is just artifacts that basically, when a lesser converted mana cost goes to the graveyard, you get something back. And this just does it with creatures. And in a reanimator strategy. Oh, buddy, this will get you so much value. Oh, yeah. Just being, like we say, just doubling up on effects, this will get you like so many more yeah. effects. And the Hops on Reanimator uh, Aristocrats shell is kind of ludicrous on this one. Like, you're already sacrificing creatures and you're already putting creatures into the bin intentionally. And so to do that and then also be able to get those creatures back to your hands so that you can recast them if they've got ETBs, whatever. Like, there's usually three sorts of creatures that you want in an aristocrat shell. This one kind of enables you to have a fourth one. Um, so normally you have like your sacrifice creatures, your creatures that have something happen when they die, and the things that allow you to like capitalize off of them dying. So this is technically that third category, but now you can also focus on ETBs, which are then creatures that you want to die. And so like you can cycle these, and like the potential for this one is definitely real, because you can start to build up, uh, especially if like you're sacrificing them for mana, 
then you start to build up and put bigger and bigger, bigger creatures. And then once you get to like anything that is of decent, decent size, it doesn't matter what you sacrifice, you're bringing something back to your hand. Yeah, the next one we've got is Titan's Nest 1 in Sultai for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Exile a card from your graveyard. Add one generic mana. Spend this mana only to cast a colored spell without X in its mana cost. So give all of your spells delve. Yeah, I mean, this This is uh, it's got some upside <laughs> for sure. Delve is not a powerful mechanic at all. It is not broken and it is not abusable. I, I, when I first read this, I thought it said with X and not without X. So it's much better <laughs> than oh, yeah. what I thought. Yeah, uh, but, but still. If it had only X, then it's just like, hey, here's your Hydra tribal enchantment. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to play Sultai Graveyard Hydra. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> so I, I still, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, plus it's just like, yeah, I it also has a little bit card... of self-mill, which is pretty pretty fun. Yeah, but the, the best part about the self-mill is that it's a may. Because there are times when you put shit in the grave and you're like, no, the one thing I did not want to go there. Yeah. So this one you can at least choose. Yeah, and you get to check it out first, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think the a lot of the time in Salty Dex, you'll, you'll just use the first part. And then if you just need some extra mana, because usually in Salty Dex, you don't want to exile stuff from your graveyard. But if you just have lands in there that you can pitch yep. and just get an extra mana or two to cheat things out, yeah, I think that's really powerful. About how, like, and then there's probably some stupid stuff you can do where you... You play this turn four, you Hermit Druid, you exile your whole graveyard, you cast a Kozilek on that same turn. Like, there's probably some dumb stuff you can yeah, do. Yeah, see, that's the thing with the the graveyard, like, self-mill decks is there is a lot of, like, ancillary self-mill that isn't actually part of your, like, recursion stuff. It's just shit that got dumped with it that you're trying to dig for the good stuff. So there's going to be stuff there that you can just yeah. pitch and cheapen everything. Yeah, for sure. I think it's funny that, you know, we talk about life gain being bad. But incidental life gain is good. This is kind of like a weird, awkward, incidental ramp. And if yeah. that's not good, I don't know what it is. Like maybe I'll ramp, maybe I won't. We'll see. Well, let's <laughs> jump into the colorless rares. We've got artifacts first. Uh, we talked about Crystalline Giant on our spoilers episode. So three generic an artifact creature giant at the beginning of combat on your turn. Choose a kind of counter at random that it doesn't have. From Flying, First Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, Vigilance, and plus one, plus one. Put a counter of that kind onto Crystalline Giant. So this is a build your own Voltron. Um, it's also, if you're able to move counters around, just like whatever you need at that situation. It's just a counter spawner. And if you choose plus one, yeah. plus one, Proliferate sure does work on those. Yeah, I think this, run this card no matter what, when you get it, it's just going to be good. Yeah. But the thing that the only thing holding back is that it's at random, and so it'll take some turns, but it'll eventually turn into something super good. <laughs> it, it turns into a three generic mana kill on site eventually. They have to get rid of it. You can't just let it. Yeah, sit. but that, that's like eight turns. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but what if it gets the one thing you need? Right? What if it's flying or death touch? Or what if it gets hexproof first? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So the next card we have. The next is one we've also talked about before. The Ozolith. So just one generic mana, Ooh, legendary yeah. artifact. I don't need to read anymore, so I'm going to let Gary and finish that card. <laughs> yeah, we, we could stop there and be golden. Whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. So there's one card that this pairs really well with. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, it's called Crystalline Giant. 
Oh shit, that'd be tight. That'd be tight. It's literally just spawning counters that the Ozilus steals and throws around wherever the fuck you want it. Yeah, I mean, it does require that the, the giant dies, but like, meh. He's going to die eventually anyway. I mean, he doesn't have to die. And that, I think that's what makes this card just that much better um, is that it's whenever it leaves the battlefield for whatever reason. That's true. Um, yeah, they, they had Commander in mind when they wrote yeah. that. Uh, yeah, Rayhan, Last of the Femori. Uh They're best friends. They're the same card, but one's a one-mana artifact. <laughs> so, right. yeah. One of these things just doesn't yeah. belong here. Yeah. Watch out. They, the they were this very, very smart to make this legendary. And yeah. Yeah. Last but not least. <laughs> it'll just keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, right. Yeah. Last but not least, uh, on our list of rares are the new lands. Um, these are the Triomes. So, again, Indatha, Ketria, Raugrin, Savai, and Zagoth. Uh, those are the Triomes, and they are they're the best lands that Watsi has come up with in a long time since Shocklands, probably. I mean, there's Prismatic Vista, which is way better, and then there's the Fabled Passage. I think those two lands are some of the best lands. I would, I would argue that these are also fetches. Yeah, so. exactly. I was going to say, I would argue that this is up there with them strictly for I think like what they do are, in the environment that they're in. I think these are the best since the bicycle lands. Oh, right. I forgot about the bicycle in, lands. From, in what they do. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, considering these are tricycle lands. Yeah. <laughs> which are... <laughs> uh, it's just... It's too good. Yeah, it's just, it's it's, just fun it's to say. Easy. Yeah. It's just fun to say. Um, yeah, so people are calling these the Triome Lands, but Tricycle Lands is... It's because we had something else that was named the Tricycle Lands. I don't remember what it was. But they have three different basic land types, which is just absolutely stupidly powerful when we have fetches out there. Um, yeah, the so the, we kind of alluded to it, but they all have cycling for three. And the only downside is that they come in tapped, which is the only reason they are balanced. Yeah. If they didn't come in tapped, these would be arguably just the strongest lands in the game. Yeah. Wicked good. Like, I'm sorry, but your normal basic land and your uh These are better than, than duels. OG duels yeah. if they didn't come in tapped. Yeah, it's yeah. three types and and cycling. Cycling. Like tapped for that one time when you didn't need your duel. <laughs> yeah, this duel is trash. I don't need it. <laughs> Sometimes oh, buy you. Can you imagine being in that, that situation? Yeah, buy you, give me a land. <laughs> So I'd rather think, just draw a card. I think these are really good, especially in fixing in uh, six card decks and limited environments. They're going to be really good fixing, but them coming in tap just hinders them. It hinders their power level a lot. So you you want to fetch them, you want to tutor for them, and just That's get them in possible. on as an additional land drop. Yeah, and then but the upside is that you can cycle cycle them when you don't need the mana. So. I think they're going to see oh, yeah. a lot of play, just like the the bicycle lands, but they're not. I don't think. I think that in most situations, they're going to be powerhouses yeah, in sure. this form. Yeah, I think we're, that we're running three in most decks. situations they do just replace the bicycle lands. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest problem with them is when we start cracking packs, either for drafting or in our sealed pool. One of these motherfuckers is going to steal one of my rares, and I know it. And then I'm still going to play it. It's going to be in the off colors that you're yeah. going to play. That's what I was going to say. Oh you're going to look at the price and yeah. be like, eh, worth <laughs> yeah, it's so like, At least I don't have to pay for Another that. Another thing, the art oh, is they're awesome. Incredible. And like the, the promo versions are fucking incredible. Uh, 
like they 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 did really fucking well with it. Like it shows the biome that they're in so well, and like you can you can see yeah, what I creatures. Think either are these in guys that play magic. Yeah, either these guys play magic or wizards wrote up like a five paragraph prompt for these lines. Because <laughs> it's like, holy shit, I'm in the world of Teamer. Yeah. And so the last one we have here uh, is Bonders Enclave. And it's just land, taps to add, colorless. And so doesn't come in tapped to nothing. And for three and tap it, draw a card, activate this ability. Only if you control creatures with power four or greater. This is basically directed at big white and big red. Um, sometimes you just need to be able to draw a card. You'll spend three mana to do that. Uh, I don't think, even though Simic would be the, the color pairing to direct something like this effect at, they don't need they don't need it. Yeah, I don't think they'd want it. There's other better things. Yeah, I think it's also really good in just big mutate decks that see a lot of that, a lot of just big boys. All right, Corey, d- define the mythics in this set in 10 words or less. So these are just random, fucking awesome bullshit cards. <laughs> okay. You could take out like three of those words and, you know, make a more eloquent sentence, but Hell correct. no. That's, so we've got basically just random mythics that are too strong for what they do. We've got some planeswalkers, I mean, that are just super good. And then we've just kind of got some... Uh, we've got two two like true cycles. Yeah, right? we got a uh, couple the cycles humans. of goodies. Yeah, the humans are in uh, the enemy color pairs, and then the apex creatures are the the three colored. Yeah. So the random ones. Uh, let's do the one that I think I talked about prior to this was luminous broodmoth. Um, this one I'm super this stoked one's on. Dumb. Uh, like this to me, this is like the best version of like flicker wisp that's not as obviously abusable. So, two white-white for Mythic 3-4 Insect with flying. When a creature you control without flying dies, return to the battlefield on its owner's control with a flying counter. So usually this effect is a negative one, negative one counter, so they're a little less good than they were. Undying is plus one, plus one. Oh, that's true. I'd still rather give them flying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... it's, It's... it's dumb. Yeah. In, I believe the like, word honestly, is like it's <laughs> In limited, you basically double up on each of your creatures and make them more evasive. And then in different build rounds, if you can run Solemnity with this, you get an infinite <sighs> sacrifice loop. Yeah, Jesus. Ugh. Yeah, it's dumb. That's gross. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Solemnity combos with this guy. And there's, I think there's a couple different cards that remove counters from things, and just oh, anything yeah. that does that, you can really, really abuse this guy's triggers. Yeah, this one, it this does not need any help to be abusable. No, like a sack outlet, and you're pretty, you're pretty off, Gary. All right, up next we've got Fiend Artisan for two hybrid Golgari mana. We've got a one-one creature nightmare. Fiend Artisan gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. X and a hybrid Golgari mana and a tap. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with a converted mana cost X or less. Put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. You do that more so than once. You don't have to sacrifice is... this guy? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Uh, no, you have to sacrifice other things because that's such a Bummer. big cost. Um, this guy gets bigger... 
kind of like its own Voltron as it's sacrificing shit. Uh, it's literally just tutoring stuff. You can um, sacrifice tokens for days because it's all about the mana. You don't give a shit what you're throwing in the bin. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Fauna Shaman in that you sacrifice something instead of discarding something and then you kind of get your best thing or what you need right now. It's it's like Pod plus Fauna yeah. Shaman. And then it's kind of goyfy because it gets bigger and bigger the more shit is yeah. in your graveyard. Like it, it might be a, just a two mana five five that you never sacrifice anything. It's just just a two mana five five. True. Yeah. That and being non legendary, this guy's gonna see some shit. <laughs> yeah. This this is a really good card. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the the first things that people are gonna do with this one is pay three mana, sacrifice something, and go get another copy of it. Yeah. Like at worst, you just tutored for another two two that is just gonna continue to grow along with it. Yeah. The fact that it puts it onto the battlefield. Like. Yeah. Like, if you spent just, like, three turns sacking a creature to get another one of these and just do that over and over again, assuming that you have, like, some way to make tokens or something like that in addition to that, and, like, in three turns you have three six sixes that are just going to fucking... Has Dominaria rotated out yet? Yes. It has? So that Sapperling deck isn't quite as good, but there's still some gross stuff you can do with this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in Commander, this dude is... Yeah, I think just being hybrid mana... Let's it just be a lot more flexible yeah. in sixty card formats. Anything yeah, like they need to stop printing activated abilities that have hyper mana. <laughs> Whether it's like Phyrexian mana or like colored hybrid mana or the colorless colored yeah. hybrid mana. No, they should just, print more Phyrexian mana. Way too sure. good. I mean, they should do that, but they should stop stop putting on yeah. good dudes like this. Like this can just go in a just a mono black deck. That's how disgusting this is. Even in mono green deck. That's yeah, that's true. true. <laughs> like, all right, great. Uh, why don't you read the first two planeswalkers here? Okay, so the first planeswalker. Both of them kind of like play into you as a yeah, person. Yeah, I do like both of these guys. <laughs> so the first one we've got is Luca or Luca. I don't know. Copper coat outcast. It's three red red for a five loyalty counter planeswalker. Plus one. Exile the top three cards of your library. Creature cards exiled this way. Gain, you may cast this card from exile as long as you control a Luka or Luka Planeswalker. Minus two, exile target a creature you control, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card with higher converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus seven, each creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. So this is like weird so- pseudo <laughs> card draw in mono red. And then it's cheating shit out for bigger stuff. And then it's just kill spell. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it takes three turns to get to the... Just blow shit up. Sorry, blow people up. Right? Because it kills opponents, not creatures. Yeah. Which... Much better. You know, yeah. Like, honestly, you read it, five mana, five loyalty, gets a plus one. That's impulsive draw in red. Uh, six loyalty planeswalker is kind of hard to kill. Yeah. So you're probably going to get another plus one or a minus two off of him after that. Uh, his minus two is something that I I don't know if you ever play him in plus one immediately. There's a lot of Planeswalkers where you just try and get that extra value. But with him, it's like, no, I'm I'm going for bigger because it's the first thing that you reveal that has a higher converted mana cost. Yeah, so... Oh no, my, my one mana turned into a Yudaro. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some build-arounds with this guy where you can make your deck only have the cards that you want to cheat out. Yeah. Because if you just have, like maybe 12 different versions of two twos or three CMCs 
and then just like big boys, then it doesn't, you consistently get the three drops, cheat them out or sacrifice them and then get the big guys. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, they continued the trend from or the spark with static abilities on planeswalkers, which I do not like the idea of them continuing that outside of that set because I think that that sets a pretty big precedence for something that is already very difficult to interact with in the first place. Yeah, this one is pretty powerful. This one's the Vivian. She's Vivian Monsters Advocate. Three green green, so another five mana planeswalker, but she's a three loyalty counter. But she has two static abilities. The first one is, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. And the next one is, you may cast creature spells from the top of your library. She's got a plus one, create a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token, put your choice of vigilance counter, reach counter, or a trample counter on it. And then a minus two, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser converted mana cost, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So kind of a opposite effect is what we have from Luca. Uh, noticeably, she just does not have uh, an ultimate ability, right? Instead, she has two very good static abilities. Um, she does come down at three, which is important. I think she's really good because she does only come down as a three for five mana, but she does make a block. Then she makes a three, three. Yeah. Yeah. She protects herself. And that's one of the, like, the big things about Planeswalkers is if they don't really protect themselves immediately, then they're difficult to play. Um, yeah. And I think it's a really versatile three, three. Like if you're playing against flyers then you can just give it reach. Well, if you're not playing against flyers and you need to get some damage through, then you can give it vigilance or trample. All upside on this one. Yeah. So the next one is Narset of the Ancient Way. For one, and Jeskai, uh, she's Legendary Planeswalker. Narset comes in four, so four mana for, for loyalty. Plus one, you gain two life, add blue, red, or white to your mana pool. I need to stop saying that because they took that phrasing out. Add blue, red, or white. Spend this mana only to cast a non-creature spell. Minus two, draw a card. Then you may discard a card. When you discard a non-line card this way, she deals damage equal to the card's converted mana cost to target creature or planeswalker. And minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this emblem deals two damage to any target. So Are you telling me the Jeskai likes you... to spling spells? <laughs> Some somewhat. Um this is one of the planeswalkers where you do want to tick up and you do want to hit that ult. Um her minus two, I do like that it is a may on the discard. Right, draw a card, you may discard. If you do, then it's the bonus effect. Um, sometimes it is like, hey, discard a thing that you're not, not going to cast because it's too expensive or because it's not impactful right now and you get a shock or just kill something. That emblem, though. Emblem is That harsh. is very, very, very powerful. Yeah. So now this yeah, next cycle we're going to talk about is the humans. And there's some notable ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, Gore, you rearranged them? Yes, I did. And it was... So why don't you start off with the first kind of the, one here? the same problem that we've had where different formats have different power levels. So the first one is Kinnon, Bonder, Prodigy. It's Simic. It's green and a blue <laughs> for a 2-2, human druid, legendary creature. All these legendary creatures. Whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type that permanent produced. And then it has... Five green blue. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a non-human creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is another one that go. It's infinite combo with basalt or grim monolith, and then it just 
this is it's just dumb. Like yeah. it just accelerates you so far ahead and it comes down early and it, it's got a really good mana sink payoff that'll win you the game. Ooh, Two mana, buddy. double your mana rocks, and then also <laughs> have somewhere to put all that fucking mana you just made. Yeah. I like that. Simic yeah, does not need help. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that it's dangerous for either of those abilities to kind of exist. And the fact that you are like, usually you have something that like increases your mana and it doesn't allow you to spend that mana on its own. Right. You have to like work to do something additionally. Yep. This just throws it all together. And that that's where, why again, seriously, there's, there's some cards here. It's just, yeah, I, this is, it's really good. I think it's kind of busted and bad card design. Because it doesn't yeah, really is, help anything in the set. It's no, just no. really, it really is just Simic busted good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who in R&D and the play design team or whoever it is there that is continuing to like take these Simic mythics to this level and even just Simic rares. Uh, but they really should have figured it out by now. Yes, yeah, seriously. All right, up next we've got General Kudro of Dranith. One white black for a 3-3 legendary creature human soldier. Other humans you control get plus one, plus one. And whenever General Kudro of Dranith or another human enters the battlefield under your control, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. Two mana, sacrifice two humans, destroy target creature with power four or greater. So this one's nowhere near the quote-unquote Power level craziness is the card before, but it's definitely one of those auto slot cards. You've got your anthem effect, you've got removal, and you've got and you got really good grave hate. hate. Yeah, yeah, which in the standard yeah. environment right now you need. Yeah, yeah, especially since this does just slot into the uh, gray hate bears. I think because most of the hate bears are humans. Um, this is one of the cards that has a lot of potential, but. It's going to find a home in standard immediately, but it may not find a home elsewhere ever. I can see that. Like, obviously, you can just go into whatever human's deck and. Yeah. But, like, guess what? There are better things and better ways to spend your time in Commander with Humans. Yeah, I think it's going to be a powerhouse. This next one, I am pumped on. This might be my favorite legendary creature from the set. This is Riel the Everwise. So, for one blue red, we've got a human wizard who's an 03. She gets plus one, plus zero for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. And whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So cycling, notably at instant speed, where you discard a card to draw a card. What if you got to draw two? God damn. Um, also, just I, I like madness and discard effects, uh, and she just makes all of them better. Yeah, and she's really, really good with wheels. <laughs> I think, yeah. Because... Yeah. It's the first time on each turn and you get to draw that many cards, right? It's not just like you get one for one. Um, like you would with cycling, instant speed wheels become, hey, I got to draw 14 cards on your turn. Yeah, I'll, I'll nice. take that. Yeah, nice. and especially in, uh, in mono red, a lot of the draw is rummaging, so you have to discard first and that just yeah. doubles up on that. And then is it they've been focusing a lot on looting as well. Yeah, and looting so like, just gets even better. benefit from all of the looting, so... It's it's all upside with her. Yeah, and she's really good. She's three mana. I think she come down fast, and then sometimes yeah, she'll just be a really big, big swinger. 
Next one we have is Winota, Joiner of Forces. So it's two red and white for a 4-4 human warrior. Whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, would you say that humans is a powerful tribe? They're okay. They're okay. How often do you pair them with non-humans? Not very often, uh, but never. in this set. But if you do. This is the build around for it. Because not only you get to look at the top six, so you're going to get something. It puts them into play, tapped and attacking. And it gives them indestructible. Yep. Yeah. And at the very Good worst. Because that's... She's a 4-4 four, for four. four. <laughs> yeah. The worst part about the, the clause where you put them into tapped and attacking is usually that you get something random and... You don't know if you can like put that in where it's going to be safe, right? A lot of times it just dies yeah, because it's just like, it's like a, a small creature or something. or something like that, a utility creature. This time, that's not the case, and you're going to continue to benefit off them on your next turn. Yeah, and then another big thing is it's whenever they a creature attacks. So if you have three creatures, yeah. you get three triggers. Yeah, and it's on attack trigger, which means multiple combats means multiple oh God. triggers. So we're with five... Look at the top 30 cards. God damn. You guys are gross. Stop it. Yeah, this card, I think this is going to be a powerhouse and limited. And then standard, I can see the Boros build Oh, around. yeah, the standard build around is so easy. Seriously. Like, Plus, you can call her Winona Rider of Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. All right, up next, we've got Chevel, Bane of Monsters. A black and a green gets you a 1-3 legendary creature human rogue with death touch. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if your opponents control no permanents with bounty counters on them, put a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls. Whenever a permanent and opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, you gain three life and draw a card. I think this one's... This card is very underwhelming. I think this one is... St- you know, limited, standard, those kinds of place, uh, one, three for two kind of thing where you're, the upside is eventually maybe you draw a card. Commander, these bounty counters are fucking dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I, I put this out. one last because as you see with the other cards, they kind of help do what they want to do. Yeah. And this puts bounty counters on things. But it doesn't really help. And he has death touch. Yeah, but it doesn't really help. He can kill things. Kill the things. Like, <laughs> if you put it on their best creature, then they're just not going to block with Shevel. Or if you they kill Shevel, then you lose him and you can't put any more bounty counters on things. So yeah. you only get to do that once. If you put it on a, a Planeswalker, it might just never die throughout the whole game. Like, I think... Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it has incidental value eventually, yeah. but like you said, it actively does nothing to help you except being a death well, touch creature. More to the point on that is that the only time that it triggers is if there are no bounty counters on a creature in the first place. Yeah. Right. Right. Which means you can only ever have one, which means that it's basically like, hey, this is the creature I'm going to try and kill. Okay. Now I'm going to spend my turn trying to kill that creature. Right. Yeah. And then if didn't you just- do it, didn't get value. Can't put anything else out. Yeah, and just like if yeah. you put it on a planeswalker and you don't kill it, then you don't get to keep putting more counters on. Like it's just you know, stick would be around. better. Give me a one mana hybrid Golgari one one death touch scorpion or something. I'll take those that, out. There. That would a lot been a lot better. But yeah, I <laughs> think I think this card helps. Like if you're already going to be killing a lot of stuff, then this just yeah. gets you more value and, and it's fine. I mean, more fuel. Right but, now, Obzon Obzon removal is kind of like premier 
Yeah. But that's why I think if you're if you're in sealed or or draft or whatever, maybe you're picking this up for incidental value. But if you're building a deck, there's just other shit you could use. Yeah. That's just gonna do a better. Yeah, I can. I can I see this. A lot of uncommons in, that you probably pick over him. But in limited, this would be really good. Like you put it on their walls or yeah, something. Limited, I mean, it's it's scary, right? In limited, it's just a one three death toucher. Like that in and of itself, is just like, well, I know I'm going to try and kill you with like combat damage. Like that is how I'm going to end a game of seal. And now you're putting something that is going to help you benefit, put me further away from my goal, and also kill the creatures that I'm trying to trying to kill you with. Like yeah. But every everywhere else, it's yeah. I I think another great. problem with it is it's two mana, so it comes down early, and you might put a counter on something just because you have to put a counter on it, and then that you didn't really want. Yeah, yeah and then they might play something better that you can't put a counter on because it 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 comes down on turn two. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's not a may trigger as well, right? No. All right, let's get into the final final stretch here. Um, this one's been a long one, but we've had some technical difficulties. And also, it just so happens that all of the rares and mythics in here are impactful, uh, aside from, like, Cheville, which is just kind of funny. <laughs> um, maybe it's a little sad. Maybe not so much funny. Um, Garyon, I know that you're stoked on this one, but I'm going to take the, the first one. Yeah. Uh, this is Nethroi, Apex of Death. So for two in Obzon, we got a 5-5 five, five legendary creature, Cat, Nightmare, Beast. Mutate cost for four hybrid Selesnia, black, black. It's got Death Touch and Lifelink. Whenever this creature mutates, return any number of target creature cards with total power, 10 or less, from your graveyard to the battlefield. My God. This is absolutely insane. The only thing that makes this card worse is that it's not salt eyes, so you can't attach a million octopuses to it and just go ham. You know what I mean? Literally, like, the gravy on this one is if you ever get to do it again. But the way I see this is that the Mutate deck has one major flaw. You're stacking up cards, and things get closer to the sky are just more attracted to the lightning on top. Every single time you add something to the pile, it just becomes a bigger and bigger lightning rod. This guy says, eh, fuck it. Play him. You just get it all back. And then you went from a Voltron to a go-wide strategy. And now you're fucking up everybody. Yeah. I'm a fan. This, I think he's... One of the better Apexes, if not the best in Commander specifically. I think that in every other format, he's also just really good. But that added cost on the Mutate, it is seven mana to do that. That's that's a lot. Yeah, I, great if you just mutate something else onto him. But Yeah, I think he's seven really mana. fairly costly because it's 5-5 five, five for 5 Death Touch Live Link. That's already super good. But then the seven mana, it is kind of a game-winning effect. Like, yeah, I certainly hope so. You get so much value. But he's still so much better as a... You turn five on him? Yeah. He's still so much better as a mutate target, though. Oh, yeah. Because to plot this guy out as a death touch lifelink, five, five for five on turn four or five, that's already doing so much work. Nobody's going to block this motherfucker. You're going to be gaining life. And then if you happen to mutate onto it, shit, bro. (laughs) Yeah, the hybrid cost on the mutate is the thing that kind of like reels me back a little bit because... Could almost see him as a uh, Sultai card. Yeah. That you're just paying the green instead of the white, and then you just have blue in your deck in addition to it. But then you're required to use that as his cost rather than having the flexibility. Right. Because he's in a base black deck that has either, you know, like half green in addition to it and just like a splash of white or like split on those. But you have to have the black. Like that's what this card tells me. 
I think that's why it's so flavorful for his mutate cost to be that because it's like this is a black card that's also doing a couple other things sometimes. It's, it's kind of Orzavi, kind of Gugari. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I will say about this one though is that cares about power. You get all the walls you ever want back. Oh yeah, <laughs> all them walls. Next one we got is Eluna Apex of Wishes. It's two green. Blue, red for a 6 6 flyer trample. Legendary creature, beast, elemental dinosaur. It's mute cost of three, and then gruel hybrid, and then blue, blue for a six or a six mana total for the mute cost. Whenever this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non land permanent card. Put that card onto the battlefield or into your hand. I love that it lets you choose. Because sometimes you don't want to just throw your best shit just out on the battlefield immediately. Sometimes it's nice to have a threat in your hand. Uh, this card, again, great to have, great to mutate, great to be a mutate target. Like this, again, it's just like checking all of the boxes. Plus, you're just cheating shit out. Like, yeah, I think this card is. It's, I think the only downside is that it exiles things and doesn't put them back. So if you have non-permanent cards and all the lands, they're going to get exiled and they're going to stay exiled. Yeah. But it is kind of like pseudo cascade, but you get to choose, and it doesn't. It's not lesser mana cost. It's just the next like big thing, or I guess next thing. It's interesting that this is the blue card when it feels very red. Yeah. Yeah. There's really not a whole lot about it that feels base blue. <laughs> It either feels base green or base red. Yeah, I do really like it. Like I can see you making a build around where you can just keep mutating on it and just cheating stuff out. Yep. Up next, we've got the Sultai Apex. It's Brokos Apex of Forever 2 and Sultai for a 6-6 legendary creature, Nightmare Beast Elemental. There's so much shit there, it's tiny. <laughs> With a mutate cost of 2, a hybrid Demir mana, and a green and a green. So a total of 5 uh, mana for his mutate cost. He has Trample. And it says, you may cast Brokos Apex of Forever from your graveyard using this ability. Uh, so, this is, I think, the strongest mutate card because it doesn't give a fuck if your board is blown up. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to mutate on this all day. When you kill it, I'm going to continue to mutate on this all fucking day. Like, obviously, other effects are stronger, but the, it, it fixes the glaring weakness of mutate. I mean, it fixes it for him, not for all of your mutate cards, but it's still really well, good. Well, just all of the cards that care about when this card mutates, right? Yeah. Yeah. That those cards are just naturally just going to be removal magnets. And so this allows you to kind of like have that built-in recursion. And at bare minimum, you're spending five mana to make something a 6-6 six, six with trample. Yeah, I think he's a really good target and a really good base for mutate, which just feeds yeah. into the synergy that recursion or the recursion engine that you need in a mutate deck yeah and obviously it doesn't have the strength of what Nethroid does but i think that on its own that individual mutate ability yeah because you can do it from the graveyard it it literally just fixes its own weakness and that's like i mean it's like having cards that give you a shitload of mana and allow you to spend a shitload of mana not nearly as broken but very good now this next one is bullshit Oof. we just went to three five mana apex predators just three mana. Just That's chess guy. Blue, red, white for Bedrock. Apex of Thunder. He's a 3-3, three, three, though. So, you know, comes with a cost. Uh, elemental Dinosaur Cat. And he looks like it. Like that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, mutate cost of one. Uh, split Azorius mana. Red, red. 
flying first strike. When this creature mutates, you may cast target non-creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. I'm all on board for this guy. Um, obviously, this guy is like the, the lead singer of the cycling deck. Um, if you can put cycling and mutate in a deck, this is the one that like that screams, hey, mutate on top of me. Let me be the mutate. Let me be the the guy the, that pulls it all together. Yeah, I think that's my only problem with this guy is that he cares about the cycling and spell slinging decks, but he's a mutate creature. And so you kind of have to shoehorn some mutate to make him better or make, yeah, make if you him can work. find Yeah, if you can find like the powerful mutate cards, the octopus, octopus, the octopus, um, oh, there's the, the one white cat like that, that scales up. And I don't think that you ever have to spend more than four mana in that deck. Yeah. And I think that you can benefit off of um, tokens, life gain, cycling, just all together there. And I think that it has enough, not necessarily synergy, but it has just enough like high power level stuff that you're going to outvalue your opponents. Uh, yeah. It's definitely going to be like a mid rangey style deck rather than like a control or anything like that. Yeah. I agree. Well, with but flying and first strike, value, honestly, value, value. He's, he's a low enough CMC that it doesn't feel like a giant investment to just have him and never hit another mutate. You know what I mean? Like, it's just good value. 3-3 three, three for 3 yeah. flying and first strike. And if you do mutate, then you get a cast something for free. Yeah. Yeah, so this last one we have is Snapdax Apex of the Hunt. It's one in Mardu. 3-5 yeah. Dinosaur Cat Nightmare. It's two, uh, a hybrid Rakdos mana, and then white-white double strike. Whenever this creature mutates, it deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker in a opponent controls and you gain four life so i think this one's really really good and limited because well it's insane and limited yeah it just wins i think game. it's just i think i think that has massive potential in standard because it can hit planeswalkers again there's yeah, like three or four true. different cards that we've talked about that can hit planeswalkers and it's four damage that is a significant chunk of planeswalker and then double strike is not nothing. yeah three five double strike for four mana that's insane I, I think the only problem is it kind of has the same problems as a bad rock is that Mardu is kind of more the human colors and yeah. there aren't as many good mutate um, triggers in those colors. Again, you're probably using the same same cards. I mean, you wouldn't use the octopus, obviously. Yeah, You'd so. use the, the black bat, but like black bat, cub warden. Um, I don't know if the, the red one is really what you want. In this I don't one. know, but a lot of those are, well, the, the cub is four mana, the... This mana. guy yeah, is five mana, the and then the other one, or the bat, is six mana. So I think to make the most out of this effect, at least, you need to get the cheaper mutate creatures, which I don't know if they're any cheaper than the the, the Simic one or the Octopus, which is why I think I think this guy is a much better base, but I think getting... Yeah. I think realistically yeah, I getting mean, the mutate trigger more than commons two times in a game is not going to happen. I would love I to think see that if it. you do though. Yeah. Ooh, like buddy. Because four damage to a creature, you're hoping to clear the board for him to just swing in. And if you get that a second time, like your opponent, like their plagueswalker is absolutely dead. The their board is absolutely demolished. Yeah. If, so it's just if you just it's interesting to see where where it'll get played, if at all. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it just not being played for his mutate cost and just being played straight up three five double strike for four. <laughs> yeah, then has incidental mutate. Well, you guys, this is that was a lot. Officially, the longest episode we've ever recorded. In one. <laughs> but this set's exciting. We're going to talk about some shit. There's just way too much new stuff, and way too much new stuff that has potential to be 
very, very powerful. Yeah. Realistically, we should have split this episode up in two as well, (laughs) but we're powering through. Maybe we will. All right. So in the confines of limited, obviously those rares and mythics that we talked about are backbreaking and just very strong. Um, Good thing they're all in a set together, right? Uh, The commons and uncommons, we actually spent a long time talking about those cards because they also had pretty good impact across the board. Um, We got some new stables in Commander just immediately. Uh, Basically, anything with cycling can just be thrown into a deck. Uh, What do you guys think overall, specifically about Mutate? Is it it a game changer? Is it a format breaker? Is there a format that's going to do best with it? We've gone through all of it, but we've talked about kind of where they slot in. What are your final thoughts on Mutate before we move on to Commander 2020 next week? To me, I feel like there are things you can do with Mutate that are very good, but as an ability itself, I think it's certainly one of the weaker things we're getting as far as you know the last two, three years maybe. Just because, like we said, you're kind of putting your eggs in one basket. You're getting multiple creatures effects, but you're losing the power and toughness and combat ability, and you're just risking a lot for sometimes good, sometimes middle-of-the-road effects that... You know, if you're looking for that extra advantage, extra effect, extra spell kind of thing, I think Planeswalkers are just a better investment. You know what I mean? And it feels kind of similar as far as what you're getting from that thing. I definitely wouldn't have compared them to Planeswalkers, but I see the idea there where they're not like affecting combat and generally speaking, not affecting like life total changes. Yeah. So I think that that's a, a nice perspective to have on it. Uh, my argument obviously is just like, well, people play Voltron all the time, right? Yeah. Um, so, Corey, what about you? I think they're going to be fun in draft and limited. And dude, this, this th- I think this set's going to be fucking insane. Really, I think really it's, good. I think it's draft. this going to be best in draft. Yeah, I don't think. Oh yeah, I don't think people will use mutate as a main strategy in any other format, including commander. I think it is really only useful in limited formats and just having supplemental effects that are, you basically use them as one-off effects. I think the best case is the octopus where if you're swinging in and getting damage anyways, just drawing an extra card each time for two mana, like people run enchantments that cost more and do less for that. And so I think, yeah, I think the octopus goes into Voltron deck. Yeah. I think the octopus is really, really good. I think, but I think outside of, just a couple cards in other formats. There's, there's a lot of very good cards in the set for other formats, but mutate cards are not part of it. Yeah, I think in a vacuum. In a vacuum, mutate with mutate, be a ton of it's fun. <laughs> very, very, very powerful. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, cycling is just the obvious winner of the set. Uh, I still think they should have made more cards that had cycling. Instead of one generic, it'd be one white or one red or something well, like yeah, that. I agree. Yeah, I think because then it's like fair. you can make them a little bit better and not break the game, but also like say specifically all you other colors that have good shit, get the fuck out of here. This is for the things that need it. Because you print one yeah. generic, like everybody's taking it. We're not gonna not play it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have so many bad draft decks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Five color cycles. <laughs> oh, it's, it's easy. Like, 
I don't even have to pay colored mana for drawing cards. Are you kidding? I'm doing that all day. <laughs> I think it's potential, and I would love to come back to Aquaria. Yeah. I think they could do it in Let's a Commander happens. set, because Commander sets, they usually have just oh, like one-offs. Speaking of which, we got Commander 2020 focused on Aquaria, and one of the decks is actually a Mutate deck. Guess which uh, three-color deck it is, Gary? Only the best, baby. <laughs> so we'll talk about those next week. Um, for now, as you like to say on this podcast, have fun, and happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo.